Hi, my name is Justin Scranton. I am one of the hosts of Conspiracy Beer Me, a conspiracy podcast where we get drunk and talk about conspiracies. And you're listening to the Just Conversation podcast. Warning. This program contains strong themes meant for a mature audience. Discretion is advised. Going live in five, four. What does live mean? Uh. Welcome to the Just Conversation Podcast, the show where we ground humanity's most absurd and baffling ideas in childish ways. I'm your host, Jack. And I'm your host, Christina. And if you haven't yet, remember to hit the subscribe button to get notified the second new episodes are released. Also, this show is most enjoyable with a listening partner to share opinions and ideas on topics we discuss. Yes! So put on those tinfoil hats and go break into Area 51 with a Naruto run for your life. And kidnap one of the guards there, then take him home with you. You could have taken the aliens you clearly found in there and want to show the rest of the world, but we're going to talk about those aliens anyways, and we're telling the rest of the world about them. So you're going to kidnap a guard and then just show him your work is meaningless because these people are already discussing the secrets of life. But I thought they kidnapped the aliens. I'm pretty sure a bunch of people took aliens home as pets. Yeah, everybody's like with the alien I kidnapped, taking pictures of like Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, just hanging out and chilling with their alien. Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> but uh yeah all of that is relevant for today's amazing grazing dope awesome guest and that guest is justin scranton from the conspiracy beer me podcast a particularly interesting and in surprisingly in-depth podcast where they dig up the uh conspiracies of while drinking beer while drinking beer they dig up these conspiracies and they dissect them they break them apart they talk about them they debate them they try to see what could be real what could be yeah they fake. take a much more serious look into these than we do yeah 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 because we definitely do a good job of making them make sense in a crazier light yes 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 but it is what it is because you know different strokes for different folks some people just want to know and then laugh and some people want to know and then get serious about knowing and those are two different flavors you got here if yeah. you, you want to troll some conspiracies, we're here. If you want to get very vastly informed, they are educational. Uh, you can definitely consider the Conspiracy Beer Me podcast. But, uh, yeah, talking to Justin, astounding. It yeah. is a particularly good conversation. And, like, it's weird how mellow this conversation was for how dense the topics in it were. That I find completely astounding, and I hope you guys appreciate that because this is a level headed. It didn't individual. sound like people who are into conspiracies talking about conspiracies or whatever. Not like you guys weren't afraid if these are real or not or whatever. That no, usually... it just sounded like we both have information about random crap. Yeah, and I dig very it. Chill. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. I, I I love it very much. It's man. I here's a problem. I I gotta stop saying this at some point because it's a. It's either totally true every time or lie every time, but this is one of the better conversations we've had. But it's like, are we just... There's a couple of outlooks, right? Either I just love talking to people. Yes. And by default, I get excited and hyped, and it's like, wow, this conversation was so good. It must be one of the best, but it's because I'm in the energy of the moment. Or or they actually are that overpowered, in which case, like, the scouting going on for this show is astounding. Like, they're looking for the someone better every time they go for looking for the guest for the show yes 
They're just like, who's going to be better than that last person? Yeah, yeah. How do we top what's already happened? Yeah. Mm. That's great. That could be possible. Who knows? It could be possible. I don't know. But uh, I definitely hope you guys enjoy this conversation. It's going to go a lot of places. Yes. Like, we occasionally we have one of these episodes that just, they off the rails instantaneously and we hit every possible mark. This is one of those. We're all over the place. So, yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Justin Scranton from Conspiracy Beer Me Podcast. And we'll see you on the other side, people. Hi. Hi. I think I think that the, the reason that we don't believe a lot of stuff is that uh, my co-host Shane Smith and I, and uh, if if any conspiracy beer me uh, fans are listening, we had a, a third host for a long time named Sam Mazzani. All three of us were stand-up comics. All three of us still are stand-up comics. And when you do stand-up comedy, part of stand-up comedy, the necessity of it is to be somewhat doubtful and skeptical about everything. I mean, every you're constantly breaking things apart to find the funny. And when you apply that skill to stand up, I mean, to, sorry, to conspiracies, inevitably you find where these things break down. And so the self-reflectiveness of comedy, which we approach, the lens we approach conspiracies, lends itself to disbelief and skepticism in some ways. But I like to think that that skepticism sort of emerges in a, in a, in a funny way or a comedic way, but you're right. We're definitely skeptical of a lot of things. I will say that when you're skeptical, skeptical about a lot of things, when you find something that strikes a, 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 a sort of aroma of truth, it's really compelling. Yes. I can actually agree with that highly. Um, whenever, like it could be one of the craziest things you've ever heard, but if it feels like there are dots connecting it to reality, suddenly you got to take a step back and be like, well, crap this this kind of looks a little possible and that's where the interest really really begins to evolve i i i agree a hundred i mean most conspiracies are shit i mean they're just not i mean especially i think even in the time that our pot we've been around for a few years and even in that time because we're a post trump podcast oh yeah same here and because of that, like in the in the Trump era and the QAnon era, conspiracies really got a bad name. Like a really bad name. I mean, the amount of crazy conspiracies that came to exist surrounding this general era is what caused that sort of bad name to it. Because there are conspiracies that were true in the past. There were many conspiracies that proved to be true there were spies there were sure uh, invasions sure. and hackings and bunch of random shit that happened in the real world that was a conspiracy and turned out to be real even area 51 absolutely absolutely i mean you can you can go into google and just type in conspiracies that proved to be true and the list and there's many people that have put out list will astound you of what is actually true but I, but I, and I, and I do think that it points to this, this weird thing that we've wrestled with, which is I got into conspiracies. I'm 48 years old. I got into conspiracies as a kid. My dad was into them. My grandfather worked for the FBI. Uh, it made my dad a very sort of, uh, anti government, very suspicious of everything, which passed along to me. And, and, and conspiracies for me were about not believing 
the traditional explanation for a lot of things, right? Really seeking out the truth and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to look at alternative sources of information. If they're not credible, I'll dismiss those as well, but I'm not going to accept sort of the, the conventional wisdom on something just because everyone else does. At some point, conspiracies became a sort of blind, almost orthodoxy that did not want to look at alternative facts or other information or the theories. There was a very much a rigid idea of this is what we believe and any evidence to the contrary is actually just part of the deep state trying to deceive you. I see where so, you're coming from. You're talking essentially about sort of turning into a religion of conspiracies. It, 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 that's a great way of putting it. It's a cult. Yes. And I think anyone anyone who's was into conspiracies, at least when I was growing up, and, and obviously me today, like cults are inherently suspicious. You're just like, look, if if you're not going to entertain any other alternative viewpoints then I really can't talk to you, right? Like if you're someone who's like, my mind is made up, I don't want to hear anything you have to say, that's, it's, what, 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 then what, why continue to talk to that person? And that, it, it, somehow conspiracies but then became that. How do you talk to anybody then? Because the problem is that everybody has sort of collapsed into the, well, not literally everybody, but like a good 95% of the population is, let's say politically, right? So, oh no, I'm on my right. left team and any uh, information to the contrary makes you a rightist. Oh no, I'm on my right. right team. Any information to the contrary makes you a leftist. I am a Christian. Any opposite information, you're devil worshiper. If right, you, right, right. Yeah, I mean, well... I think the the short answer is you go on podcasts like Just Conversation and you talk about these things and hopefully slowly you build a group of people. And we have found that in Conspiracy Beer Me that our audience are largely people that are like, uh, we love that you guys call out dumb conspiracies. You call out the left and the right because that's what's missing is an honest conversation from people. There was a great – I don't know if you saw this, but it, it kind of made the rounds. There was a great – uh, interview with Cornelius West, who's a professor at Harvard, and a conservative um, whose name I don't know. But they were talking about this very issue, about the orthodoxy of the left, the progressive left, and how the Socratic energy is like critical to the survival of our civilization. Like the idea that like asking questions is absolutely necessary to arrive at what we can agree upon is, is truth. And and I that's what scares me. Like I'm 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 not a particularly political person, um, but the the idea that that there's this radical side on both both the left and the right that are like this is the truth, and if you ask questions, we're going to excommunicate you. Um, I think that that for me the answer is well, you stand in the middle of those people and you gather together everyone who's been excommunicated, and you say let's let's have a conversation, let's talk about this. Let's ask questions, right? 100%. I'm never afraid of a question. I'm never afraid of a question, right? If, if you can't question your beliefs, then your beliefs are built on sand, right? Yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you I mean, how does it. the saying go? I rather have uh, questions that can't be answers that, than answers that can't be questioned. That's great. That's, I, I've never heard it put that way, but that's a great, that's a great saying in my mind, right? 
Yeah. 100%. Because the problem we do have is a sort of black and white point of view. Everybody has picked the team, and regardless of whether that team is something they even agree with, they've already chosen, and they're going to side with that, and they don't have to even believe the shit that's there, really. We're just going to agree with everything that's on our team, regardless of what that team is, whether it be political, religious, whether it be sociological, whether it be economic, it doesn't matter. We pick the team, and we're sticking to that team. Yeah, that's that's right. You know, the other thing that I think would... I would add, which I think is, is that part of that Socratic energy is listening as much as you talk. And I think that sometimes gets lost is that so many people are like, I'm going to tell you what is real and true and, and valid or correct or whatever the case may be. And I find myself more and more just listening. Like, tell me what you think. And then I'll ask you questions about that. And that's sort of what our podcast does is like I find something. I'm like, this is interesting. And we just ask questions. I've heard the story. I'm going to tell the story and then we're going to ask questions about it and hopefully arrive through that Socratic energy at, at something that sounds kind of entertaining and fun and maybe perhaps truthful. So. That is the whole goal, right? Trying to make it yeah. now. It's an interesting twist between your show and this show, right? Because uh, the show's broken up into two parts. We have the Just Conversation podcast, which is what we're doing right now, having a conversation. Cool. And then there's rambling, where we essentially, you know, ramble on madness. Yeah. And uh, that's where me and my co-hosts have discussions. And, uh, and I like, I like, yeah. Like it's in a weird fictional universe, nevertheless, where every conspiracy is true one way or another. Oh, that's wow. The, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 So we have to work everything into the bigger picture and explain how it makes perfect sense because no conspiracy is a lie. Yeah. I, I, I like, I mean, I think that everyone who believes something really, really strongly should imagine a world where it's absolutely objectively false. Yes. And talk about it. And everyone that disbelieves something should also imagine themselves in a world where it's objectively true and yep. talk about it. Right. Yep, yep. Because you would learn something in my mind. Right. And that's sometimes what we do in our, in our show is we just talk about things that are not false, but we talk about them in a way where we believe them and sound true. And then at the end, we kind of pull the mask off Scooby-Doo style and say, you know, it's Mr. Jansen, you know, but. <laughs> I love I love doing that. I love doing that a lot. I play uh, devil's advocate quite often because I yeah. feel like through conflict is where the true information lies. Right. Right. That to me is Socratic energy. Right. Like I think you're right, but I'm going to pret- intentionally pretend you're wrong yes. to help you better understand why why you are right. Yeah. And also, yeah. Uh, what is my idea on this? My idea is like I am of the mind that you are that listening gives you more information than sharing, right? And the problem mm-hmm. is a lot of people that you share with are just waiting their turn to talk versus if you're just they're actually listening, you're collecting information. So my philosophy behind that is you're twice as smart as whatever person doesn't want to hear you because you have what they're telling you that you're learning and what you already know about yourself that they oh, well, don't have. Yeah, that's 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 next level stuff for most people. I mean, you're absolutely right that a, most people define a good listener as someone who just waits until it's their turn to talk. Yeah, doesn't interrupt. A really good listener is someone that listens and absorbs what you say, incorporates where it meshes with their beliefs. Yes. Sort of, you know, flags or puts a footnote where there's stuff that conflicts with their belief and say, I'll look into that. 
and isn't threatened. So many people just get threatened when something just, you know, sort of says cuts against your belief. And, and I, and I know as a, as a, I mean, this is the, the, we wrestle with this cause we're both Shane Smith, my co-host and I were both like, you know, we're straight white men and, and in this day and age, you're, there's a lot of identity in what you believe in terms of people will say, well, you're a straight white male. So you've never had to feel your very existence threatened by someone else's belief, which is true. I, I mean, I admit that, right? But I can also appreciate that that I can hear somebody's viewpoint and say, that is not mine. I disagree vehemently with them, respectfully, but I will look into it. There's 100%. You're totally right. And I'll touch on that, too, that there is a weird culture forming around guilt-tripping white people. With anything they say, everything they say, you can question anything and everything they ever do. Yeah, you can include any white person into all the tragedies of every white person, anything they've ever done. I can accuse you of it, and it's perfectly fine, and nobody's going to judge me for doing it, but they're going to judge you just for being white. Sure. And I, that's not right. That's definitely – because it's a version of racism. We've become racist towards white people, essentially. It's a country that has sort of devolved into uh, generalizing white people into deciding that all white people are equally guilty, even if you're on the side of the people trying to fight for equality, it doesn't matter. Well, you're a white, straight male. Like, what the fuck right. do you get to say about anything? You don't get an opinion. Right. And that's not fair. We've just evolved a new version of racism and then avid, adamantly claim that there's no such thing as reverse racism, which is full of shit because otherwise you'd have the same rights that we do but we're slowly stripping your rights away but because i'm colored i got a couple of more rights and the people are going to stand behind me sooner than they will behind you and like what the hell is that that's not equality yeah it's it's interesting uh i'd never thought of this but it's the way you put it at the end there was very interesting because um there's this idea that like in order for us to achieve equality we need everybody of any race, color, creed, gender, sexual orientation, to have the same opportunities as essentially the straight white male. And that would be an equal society. But what instead, what you're saying is that instead we need the straight white male to suffer all the the pain and suffering that everyone else has gone through so we instead of raising the bar so that everyone enjoys the sort of hundreds of years of, of privilege that white people have, we need white people to go through a few hundred years of just horror so that they're all so that we all are suffering. And then the billionaire overlords that ro- rule us just laugh when they have all of our money. So we just need to bring these people. It's basically we don't want to we don't want to destroy the, the 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 upper high class. You know, the, the 700 billionaires in our country that basically are rule us. We want to destroy the middle class and bring everyone down into the into Yeah, the we, we're, we're all going to be poor and let the rich still do what they want. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're fighting the wrong enemy, which is, is like, I'd like to see everybody, I'd like to see the tide rise and lift all boats. Well, so what you're saying is like, we're going to bring those white boats back down yes. to reality. The uh, the CEO of the Hollow Nine Network was on the show once, and we we're having a very similar conversation to this. And he gives me one line that I'll never forget. We were talking about uh, transgender people 
And uh, then we jumped into politics. And the idea that summarized everything when it came to the equality of women, equality of transgender people, political equality, racial equality, civil rights, and everything is that it's not about equality. It's about revenge. Yeah. That's the whole point. Equality is the, the facade we use to make our armies right. around revenge it's all about revenge we're trying to get back at the white man for all the tragedies but it's like these people aren't responsible for that it might have been their ancestors but that's fucked up to just blame anybody and it's the worst part is right we're it's such a generalization because we say white people we're talking europeans but not all europeans were the same right yeah no i mean i mean i'm a I'm a second generation Irish immigrant and which means my grandparents were immigrants. They came from Ireland. And um, because of that, I was raised in the South in an incredibly progressive family, especially for the 1950s, 60s and 70s when my my mom and and dad were growing up. I mean, they were uh, because my my grandparents were immigrants. They they sided completely on the side of sort of progressive working class, you know, labor politics of like, you know, the the man is the problem. And, uh, you know, they were not they were not in the South as part of this sort of, you know, we need to preserve the 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 union. I mean, the the, the whiteness. The, yeah, they were not part of that. They were like, this country's great because of immigrants. We're immigrants. What you're saying is actually a point that misses a lot of people. And uh, this comes back to the generalization, right? As a European descendant, immediately you're demonized. But in reality, the Irish had it just as bad as most of the other people here. Because For, for a time, for sure. Yeah. For a time. Because the yeah. real people we're trying to talk about when they say the Europeans, they're talking about everybody who first took a detour trip to Africa, scooped up a couple of people, and then made their way over right. here. Yeah. Which we're talking right. the French the British and the Spaniard. That's the trifecta. Right. If you're not necessarily descending from one of those three, you probably have bloodlines over here that also got shafted by one of those three groups. That's right. I will say that I think it's incumbent upon people in power to break down this conversation and use their power in a way that's responsible and furthers the conversation, which sort of fits in with the whole tenor of what we're talking about. Um, because, you know, the, the the analogy that I love the most when I talk about these things is the analogy of a basketball game where for the first half of the game, the referees are clearly on the side of one team, the white team, and the other team, right, the black team, just to make it white and black, is clearly at a disadvantage. The white, I mean, the referees are calling, you know, fouls that don't exist. They're ejecting players. They're doing all this stuff. So by halftime, the white team is just insurmountably ahead in the game, hundreds of points ahead. And they're like, this isn't fair. The black team's like, this isn't fair. And then the white team's like, well, okay, you're right. Just call it fair. And the black team, you know, is like, well, that's not going to be fair because we're a hundred and 50 points behind. So then the refs are like, oh, we got a solution. We'll we'll call it unfairly for the other team and try to catch them up. And then we'll 
call it evenly from, you know, at the end of the game, you know, towards the end, once this other team is caught up. I, I think that is the best analogy for what we're wrestling through in our country. It's this really unfair game. And, you know, you know, a few hundred years into it, we're like, okay. And now I, I do think it's incumbent upon the team that was the beneficiaries of an unfair system to lead the conversation to say, okay, how do we make this right? Right. That's, and, and I, and I, and I, and I do think, and this is going into conspiracies here when I say this, I do think that there are powers in this country that intentionally try to stop that conversation yes, from that happening. Yes, that is exactly what I was about to get to. That is right? the same idea I was thinking. Yeah, because, I mean, the the one of the conspiracies that I believe in wholeheartedly is that the scariest thing to the billionaire class is that working class white people and working class Mexican people and, and black people would all of a sudden realize, like, wait a second, why do we not like each other? We have the same concerns, right? Like, we 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 all have the basic same value system. Oh, and yeah. When, but what you're talking about is pretty simple. It's the idea that make sure that they believe they're starving because of each other. Because if they exactly. realize that they're not, then they will eat the rich. Yeah, that's absolutely. I believe is of all the conspiracies that we talk about. There are just a handful that I'm like, this is absolutely true, that there are secret meetings, and we've talked about some, where I, I, I know in my heart of hearts that these guys say, the one thing we do not want is for those folks to figure out that we have conned them, that we have divided the Democrats and Republicans in these artificial boundaries in order to keep them from ever seeing that they have these same goals, and if they do, they will they will tear down the system. I believe that wholeheartedly. I uh, I definitely believe that too. I don't know about the secret meetings part, but I know there's definitely this intentional sort of suppression because an informed population is a dangerous population. If they know what's happening, then what do they need you for? But if you have the resources and the information, then they rely on how much you give them. And they only know what you've given them. So if, for example, as the internet got really, really, really big and really, really, really populated, two things happened. Everybody put all the information they found to be true on the internet so we can share the wealth collectively. Sure. Simultaneously, at three, four, five times the rate information to the contrary of every single fact popped up. So any one detail that's proven true now has 30 different arguments as to why it's not. And this muddies knowledge and information. And if there's more options, there's more people likely to believe one of these alternative options. If we can get out of all the 30 options, only one is true. And out of every 30 people, only one believes the true one. We've completely Right. Dumbed the population down and we can manipulate how well we interact with them and how well they interact with each other. The idea behind politics on its own is you just have teams so people distract each other yelling at each other while they change laws over your head and you don't even know what's happening because you're just focused on the argument versus the other team. 
But if we look at, for example, now I am apolitical. I don't give a shit about politics in any direction, but I do enjoy seeing the game played and how everybody gets sucked yeah. into a team or something, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And uh, one of the most entertaining things I've ever seen is during the Obama presidency when um, Bruce Jenner became Caitlyn. Mm -hmm. And then the news was drowning in it. They were putting that on every station. Keep in mind all the stations are run. I know you've probably seen the video on YouTube where they put all the different clips together to show that they're reading the same script ultimately. Right. Yeah. So they're all owned by the same people. Any story they're giving is because they were told to do it. No station is concluding their own news. That's been proven bullshit. So mm -hmm. in the time that this was being discussed, it just so happened to be that the stop and frisk law was written right back in and slid right through all of that. But everybody's yeah. focused on this thing that's happening. It has nothing to do with wow. anything. It doesn't affect our lives at all. That's wow. I mean, that's well, that the 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 this kind of harkens back to something we said earlier, which is whether that is true or not, which what I'm saying is whether or not the government uses distraction and misdirection to keep people from for, to bury news. Like in this case, Caitlyn Jenner story to bury the news about stop and frisk, whether that's true or not, to some regard to me is irrelevant because we know for a fact, for a fact that the CIA has done that intentionally to bury news. I mean, those, those documents have come out that the CIA for years has infiltrated media and has planted fake articles that they knew would capture the public's attention in order to prevent them from understanding something that they didn't really want them to know about. Like that's a, that's a fact. And so the idea that they, they would do it here to me is like, yeah, that's, that's feasible to me. That makes sense to me that during this time, I mean, it's opportunism. Yeah. I don't know whether this is true, but you know, people say that like the Omicron virus, they're like, isn't that suspicious? Because just Lane Maxwell's on trial and all of a sudden we have this new pandemic and it just seems like it's a little too coincidental that a virus named Omicron, which means little O, emerges when just Lane Maxwell's on trial when Jeffrey Epstein had an island that was known as little O, little Orgy Island, little St. James. Holy Orgy shit, island. are you serious? So yeah, yeah. People are like... Well, okay. Well, they're just rubbing it in our face now. They're just, you know. Um, so I, I and, and again, in the backdrop of all this is this idea that the CIA has always, I mean, has admitted to the fact that they've infiltrated the media for decades and they plant fake stories. So it 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 becomes hard in these moments to say, well, I, I believe that or I don't, or it's a real story, but it was leaked at the time in order to distract. So I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that the government distracts people. Yeah. Stories. See, actually, what you bring into uh, question right now is something that I was just talking about maybe yesterday or the day before, which is 
actually in reference to Omicron and the government and all these things, right? So we have a virus that comes out and we're told to go inside. And then mm -hmm. uh, as soon as things start lifting up, now, don't get me wrong. I believe the government reacted quick. They panicked. And then they couldn't just pull back and say, well, we fucked up because they don't want people to lose faith in the government. So right, they right, need to right. ride that train and figure it out. Oh, no, we made a vaccine and the vaccine is going to cure you. And that's why we're easing up restrictions yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Now, how interesting that in the middle of being told we have to be indoors all the time and we you know we can't go to certain places and you you should self-isolate and you should quarantine mm -hmm. and don't talk to anybody you know if you haven't seen them for a long time and that kind of thing right that we come across this new meta that's creating a virtual world online that you can you know live your life in and you can buy house and property and run oh, businesses right. and things like right. that and it's like it feels like even as we start, oh, we figured this one out, you know, Delta happened, but we customize a vaccine and now we can take that shot and it, it works against the Delta now. Oh, no, we have the Omicron now. So, oh, it doesn't work anymore. You know, stay inside still, but we can save you with this coming technology that you can now use to do everything you were doing in the real world. Little, they're kind of trying to get us to agree to the matrix ahead of time. What a brilliant way to do it. Yeah, I mean, they're going to scare us into it. I mean, well, and, 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 and to be fair, from what I've seen of most Americans, if you offered Americans a matrix option, 70% would take it? Yeah, for Se sure. 70, 70, right? I think 70%, maybe more. I know. Yeah, I'd argue like 80. Yeah. If you, if you mean, if you, if you literally were like, hey, you have two options, you can keep living in this world. Arguably, it's going to get worse, harder. Or we can sedate you, give you some really good drugs, some DMT. We'll put you on a basically you'll live and all you'll experience from your own cognitive brain is you'll be whatever you want. You want to be a NFL star? We could make you that. You want to be a rock star? You want to be rich? You want to be you want to have a family? You want to look good? We'll give you whatever you want if you sign up early adopter. I think most people be like, I'll just take that. I'm not enamored of this world. So if you can give me a better virtual one, I'll take it. Yeah, it's fine, isn't it? Would you? You think, okay, so it happens. They give you the offer. At the end of this conversation, your door knocks. You walk up. They show you. They they show you the technology. They give you here. This is a sample. You're not going to get sucked in. You, you can leave this whenever you want. Test it for a week. And you do test it for a week. And you realize, wow, it's as real as reality. And I could do whatever the hell I want in there. But I will have to leave reality for it. But they're going to keep me alive so that I can keep experiencing this. They've shown me. The yeah, I'm flat. alive. Yeah. I mean, I die eventually. I mean. Yeah, of normal. But, 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 but my experience is the one where yeah i i you taking it oh man you can take the blue pill by choice i don't i don't know that i i man it's a tough call for me i mean i'd like to be heroic and say i'm definitely not but on the other hand i'm a 48 year old stand-up comic who's trying to forge a stand-up comedy career in the latter stages of his life because I still want this, I still have this notion that I have things to say that are that are worthwhile and meaningful. And, and, and if someone said, "Yeah, you can bypass all that if you just take this blue pill and you'll wake up and you'll be famous," and that's a seductive dream. I mean, I mean, right? I mean, think about okay, think about it this way: think about diet pills and dieting. How many people do you say 
you want to die for the rest of your life or do you want to take this blue pill and wake up and reality will change and you'll be a beautiful Here's the interesting part about how you rephrased this. The way you rephrase it is the reason I wouldn't do it. Because the shortcut bores me. I am the person who likes the road walked, not the destination. I and like, like the process. I like the process. Yeah. I like bo- I like bombing in comedy. I mean, I like I exactly. like the, I like I like the way that erosion and you know the stones become smooth over time. Not yes. Look, I've skated my entire life, right? And okay. I would never take a pill that instantaneously made me a professional with all the tricks. Because the point is falling. And the point is sitting there and thinking about the board midair and what is it doing? How can I uh, adjust and try again and see if I could catch it a different way? And failure is built into skating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I've similar similar to comedy where in comedy, the failure is sort of the point. People just see the success part when the joke lands. But all the work you did to make that joke land that one time is about work and figuring it out and learning the wording to make it. And clarifying it, like the process you go through is the point, I'm assuming. Yeah, and any 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 comic embraces that process to the point where they they adore they adore the process. Yeah, not I the mean, goal. Who cares about the goal? I mean, yeah. I mean and when you watch when I I'm at the point now where I watch a comedy special and I can almost see the process. I can almost like I hear a joke that's really great. And I'm like, I bet you that joke was something like this when they started out, and then it, and then they, they 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 narrowed it and honed it and and worked it until it became How what it is. Interesting. Oh God, I love this. I've <laughs> this is crazy, but I've always fantasized about having a conversation with a comic in which we compare notes about skating because it's, it's similar. It's very similar. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. very similar in that um, once upon a time I was a skater. It was a different age of skating. I grew up skating in uh, the 80s. I was living in Jacksonville, Florida, which luckily for me had a, a, a somewhat infamous skate park, Kona Skate Park. Yeah, so you were one of the skate. origin areas. That's crazy. Origin areas. Yeah. So it was like – and it was a hot time. It was like – it was the 80s. Um, and then I moved to North Carolina where skating was like – not a really thing. odd. Yeah, yeah it's really not weird. a thing. Yeah, it was weird. Um, and I and 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 and, it's something, and, then, and then I got back into it in my twenties again. Um, but uh, but the the nature of skating is that like you watch these guys do these tricks over and over and over and over, and then they get it, they land it. And you're like, oh, you landed. They're like, yeah, but it wasn't clean. Yeah, it wasn't like, perfect. I so I do it. I do it again. I do it. So the repetitions that go along with skating are absolutely a hundred percent like comedy. And then the other thing that I think is interesting is that um, comedy like skating is very iterative. So somebody does this joke or this type of joke and everybody's like, Oh, you can talk about that. I didn't, I didn't ever thought of that. And then other, and then comics swoop in. They're like, "Well, you know what you could do? You could do this, and you could do more. You could go and do something." And, and yeah, skating yeah, push it a little. Like you're like, "Oh, so you can flip the board over and do a dark slide? Ah, well, you know what else you could do is you could flip it back over. You could you could three sixty on a dark slide." And all of a sudden, like, there's this innovation that occurs, and that's so much what like what comedy is. 
hundred percent. Hundred percent. I love that. It's specifically what triggered that idea in my mind is you said you could watch a comics process just by watching the joke. And that's such a skating mentality, the wording you use there, because yeah. when you watch a board flip a certain way, you know how they scooped to get the board to move yeah. that way. And then you're like, uh, well, if you scoop this way, it's because you probably did this trick before you did that trick, because this trick dictated how you move on that one now. So you can yes. sort of follow their progression based yeah. on what you're yeah. seeing happen. Yeah, to- that's 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 very much right with comedy, right? You can follow someone's progression. Especially when you see someone, and I guess I should say that like I've had the pleasure of like watching some comics develop stuff over the course of years. Yeah. So you're like, I remember that the the first time they ever spoke those words out loud at a mic, and I've watched it five years later become an incredible bit. I've watched the progress, but even someone I don't know that 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 process with, I can look and be like, oh, I know how they got there. I see the kernel that they started with, you know, and so. Yeah, yeah. That's the part. That's the beauty of art, right? Like if you're involved in the same type of art, it's like being a writer and reading a book. Do you stop being a reader of fiction and you start becoming a critic of form? And you start looking at the words and like, oh, crap, you know, I was oh, I was beating myself up about saying he said or she said over and over. But it works so well in this paragraph that I, right, I should let yeah. that go and focus on. And so these little yeah. deeds, you just you read to critique and to help yourself, but also to understand why it worked over there. Right. There, yeah. I don't know how we got to this. I don't know where we where we. I have no idea how this arrived here either, but it's yeah, very interesting. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. I mean, it it, it uh, I mean, it makes me think of a lot of things that we talk about a lot on our podcast, because one of the things that I think I'm most interested in when I look at the things that we've talked about, many of which, again, we don't really. We come to the conclusion that this seems kind of like bullshit um, and whether it's bullshit that's designed to distract or to serve some other purpose. That's a different question. But um, one of the things that we've struggled with is that humans as a species don't really make any sense. Like it doesn't make sense. The timeline doesn't make sense for how long that scientists say we've been on Earth. And the level of complexity and sophistication that we exhibit at this point. And we've we've that's that's one of the areas of conspiracies that I think has the most promise for explaining some things that are at this point inexplicable. Interesting. Um, Interesting. What do you think uh, particularly about the timeline is uh, totally unfeasible? Like what's what things pull at you? Well, Humans haven't been around that long, right? Humans haven't. I mean, we've been around for 10,000, maybe 20,000, maybe, let's say 100,000 years. Yeah, I think roughly about like 200,000 years. 200,000. What, yeah, whatever you want to say. Like it, it doesn't matter. People have different views of when humans came to be. doesn't matter to me. Reptiles were around for a few hundred million years. Yes. So, so tell me why in a few hundred million years of complete dominance of this biosphere that we live upon 
why didn't a hyper-intelligent reptilian evolve? What you are talking about right now is, I have so many theories on this, but yeah, yeah, it, it is a perplexing question to me. I think I think it's easier to answer than you might think, and it has to do. The easiest way to explain this idea, right, is if I were to mm-hmm. compare us and then talk about the pyramids, right? So we look at the pyramids and we're like, how the fuck did it happen? At least we go mm-hmm. back maybe. 10 years, because now we know we built it and how we built it and we can replicate the processes they use because if we had an engineer come and do it and we figured it out, but whatever. We look back 20 years before we really understood and we're like, how the fuck? It had to be aliens, right? There's no way a civilization did this, right? And then I give you a smartphone. I show you a smartphone and I hand you a smartphone and I tell you, you can hold on to this doesn't matter what happened. Eventually, you die. And right. we, you, your body's going to be found. And it's going to have that smartphone. Somebody's going to mm. dig up the smartphone, and they're going to see the smartphone. And they're going to look at the smartphone right. and be like, well, this technology is really, really advanced. Because we're going to assume you die with a smartphone, and society collapsed, and humans went extinct, and two or three survivors reestablished, reproduced, and civilization came to be again. And they're going to find you holding your smartphone. And the conclusion they're going to make upon looking at the smartphone is the same conclusion we make looking at the pyramids, which is fucking aliens handed you overpowered technology because we didn't make it. How do you, right. this guy yeah. in the ground, have yeah. it? Mm-hmm. But in reality, we made it. We just lost them the knowledge that we had it. And if you look at, and there's parts of the world that have entire cities underground. Very, yeah, very no. old, ancient cities abandoned. We don't know which civilizations were there. We're still excavating some. Even the right. the storage locations of the Dead Sea Scrolls, we're still digging and digging and digging and digging. And there's a clusterfuck of that that seems to right. go through all of infinity. The idea is there was probably some other quite intelligent speed, maybe not technologically to the point that we are, or if they did, why would they land at the same destination without the same tools? They probably found a different road using something other than our same math and landed at a different conclusion, but there might be some sort of filter or we, I mean, the United States has 6,000 nukes. It's, it's easy to assume we can get rid of ourselves by accident if we wanted to. And then yeah. we'd lose all that, and then hundreds of millions of years would go by, everything would get buried under space debris that built up, it would all just be fossils and shit, and then a new civilization would come, and we'd be like, nope, it was just us always. You, you, that, that's not that, – that theory tracks with, with what I would say are some, some uh, important intercessions, uh, which is, is – when we when we look at our society and then we start to go back in time and, and, and do archaeological digs, we do see this sort of progression back into more primitive states. And then we find these inexplicable technological discoveries, which were like, what? Like, like what? How like did the how, Mayans? Yeah. yeah. How did the Mayans have a better understanding of the solar system and, and, and the galaxy and the universe than we do now? Like they. They were clearly way more advanced than what we understood, right? Like even to this day, that that uh, there's a there's a um, ancient uh, uh, site in India, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get this word wrong, so I'm not even gonna try to say it. But essentially, like when the Earth moves, you know, we spin on an axis, and then we 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 revolve around the the sun, and that that 
compresses our 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 sphere a little bit and then we 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 are tilted and because of all of that there's this wobble to the earth yes 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 it's got a name i can't remember that's what gives us the seasons actually um well the tilt gives us the seasons yeah, but, well the wobble the wo- yeah and, and so there's this ancient site in india that the way it's laid out it was laid out in such a way that they understood this wobble and how it affected the 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 earth's rotation around the sun and they were like that wasn't even hypothesized for several hundred years later and it wasn't proved for even more you know another couple it was like galileo and and folks were like thinking that they were hypothesizing it and we keep finding those things as we go further and further and back that like further further back we go there seems to be a deeper understanding of the solar system and, and the and the stars, and maybe that's because what else? There wasn't any fucking Netflix to watch, so you just Fair. watch the stars. Yeah. So maybe that's just it. But it seems like deeper and deeper into human history, we start to find evidence of incredible technology that we don't understand. There's a wall in South America that's built, and the stones are cut. They're just humongous stones, but they're cut so close together that to this day you can't fit a piece of paper through the stones and they've had engineers come out and they're like we can't we couldn't build this today if we tried like it's just these are massive boulders that were cut with some technology we don't have and they were lifted into place perfect it's like it's like a puzzle you know these perfectly cut stone walls and so my point in all this is that what it's led me to believe is that Earth, as we know it, had some intervention at some point a long time ago, before what we think of as humans being here. And and and, and the way to, the way that I think about Earth now is that Earth, to some degree, was engineered. There are not a lot of planets that we have found that have the right ingredients to support life earth is extremely rare we have we have scanned the horizons for plant planets in the goldilocks zone yeah you know what that yeah so like they have the right they're the right distance from a star with the right temperatures earth is a rare 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 thing and i believe this based on the conspiracies we've covered that the earth at some point was engineered to sustain life as we know it. And I'll give you some examples of stuff we've talked about. Uh, when we talked about Stonehenge, we, we dug into Stonehenge. And everyone has a theory about Stonehenge, but the part that was most interesting for me is that most people know that Stonehenge has an axis that's aligned to our summer solstice. Right? So like on uh, June 21st, the sun sort of points straight through this this axis of these, you know, this circular structure. Yeah, yeah. Most people don't know that there's another axis a few degrees off that doesn't point, doesn't align with the solstice. It doesn't align with anything. And archaeologists are like, what is that? Well, what does that mean? And the, and the, hype, the, the conspiracy theory is that Stonehenge was essentially a level 
a global level that was built before the Earth's axis was perfectly aligned. So the Earth was originally upright, and then a meteor hit it, and it, and it, and a lot, it, 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 it tilted to about 18 degrees. And then at some point, and we know this is true, it tilted another half degree. It tilted to the perfect degree to allow for the greatest possible growing season in every hemisphere, both hemispheres of the Earth. And, and the question is, well, what tilted at that extra half degree? So what if ancient cultures built a ring, it's called the ring of power, and it's a ring of ancient sites that circle the earth, right? And they use that ring of power to tilt the earth another half degree, and Stonehenge was essentially the, the level, do you know what I mean by that? Like, it's basically like it was aligned to this other axis, and when it aligns to the new axis, that's what we're after. Like they're measuring using Stonehenge, essentially. Stonehenge is a measuring tool. Yes. So like we want to tilt it just a little more, and so we've aligned it. And by the way, there's there's this thing, and I can't again, I can't remember it, but Stonehenge is not a is not a just a random place. There are two places on Earth where during the summer solstice, certain things happen, align. And so they basically, they, they knew exactly where they needed to put this measuring tool. Then they built all these sites. And you can go look at the Ring of Power on the, on the, the web and you'll see it's, I mean, it's like Easter Island and the pyramids and all this stuff. And it just kind of goes around the northern hemisphere. And they just created this sort of energy field and they just tilted the earth a little bit. And, and they did it because they're like, you know, this is great, but if we tilt it a little bit more, we'll have these perfect growing seasons where we can grow, you know, basically nine months out of the year in one hemisphere. You're talking about being able to control an immense amount of energy, though. You're talking about a, a particularly advanced, like beyond our comprehension type of civilization. Absolute, a- absolutely, I am. Absolutely, I am. But let me say this. Is it so beyond our comprehension that if we, I mean, present day human beings, we have a new telescope, the new version of Hubble, that is going to be operational any day now. And it's the next generation of deep space telescope. And its primary goal, the first thing it's going to do is we've identified all these Goldilocks planets. If we find a Goldilocks planet, we're like, that thing has an ocean, it's got land. It's got an atmosphere, all the things we can tell from the telescope. And someone says, you know what? It's great, but it would probably need, if it, if we could tilt it five more degrees or half a degree, it would be immediately livable for us. Do you not think that the United States of America would immediately send engineers in to figure out how to tilt a planet another half degree? That's exactly what we would do. A hundred percent. But now here is where I have to kind of push it back on some of this because sure, we would definitely do this for a, to replicate ourselves essentially. And the problem we have with life that we don't find life, thus making earth a pretty unique place is our entire outlook on what life might be. But if we let go of just what we know to be life, because we're only identifying life based on ourselves, and we only look at things based on ourselves, but 
Sure. We don't know that we've looked at a planet and actually seen something alive, and it just happens to have a different description of alive than we do. There could be... We know planets that have clouds. There are plenty. Most of the planets in our systems have clouds. Yeah. And we don't know that these clouds aren't just some sort of gaseous, sentient sort of creature floating around. We also don't know uh, if uh, intellect or consciousness could travel through light or electrical fields. And we know there are electrical storms everywhere. Or dust. Yeah, there's... There's dust seems to be the most prevalent thing in our universe. Yes, everywhere. And it, and that it actually seems... brings up the argument that there could be the interstellar creatures in between, not even on planets, but in between in the empty spaces of our universe traveling. And they're just creatures made of gas or particles that to us just looks like nothing. But how do we know a nebula isn't alive? Yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about this recently. Um, in regards to an island that uh it's it's part of india but it's not it's really off the coast of like cambodia that part of the the ocean indian ocean um and you may have heard of it but it, it it's it it's a primitive island that's populated by uh, a a tribe of people who have almost no contact with modern humanity i mean there's no Nothing. I mean, there's no running water, internet, anything. They've been in isolation for for as long as the people have lived there. They've had almost no contact. Like the only contact they've had are some like random boats have crashed on their reef and they've killed all the people that live there. A couple missionaries went. They've all been killed. Um, one one guy managed to kind of infiltrate the tribe and he kind of kidnapped some of them and uh the mom and dad died almost immediately and he returned the children and and they're fast if you ever want to read a fascinating story read about this island okay but the thing that was what what relates back to this conversation for me is that one boat uh crashed on their island and within like a year or two the the surveillance the drones they sent over the island reported that they had used the boat to make metal tip arrows which in other words is saying that like alien technology crashed on their island and brought ushered in the iron age to these people interesting and 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 the 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 country of india basically has drawn a boundary around the island that says you cannot cross this boundary, and if you do, we will literally shoot you down. Um, so these people do not see, they do not see ships on the horizon. They don't see anything. They live in a bubble. But one of the questions has been like, do we let planes fly ahead? And there have been planes that fly ahead. And what, what we talked about on our podcast is like, how do they explain those airplanes? What, what are those to those people? Because they don't, they don't, like, they might see it as something, this thing, this giant flying thing with shiny lights. It doesn't happen very often. It's rare, but it happens enough to where I'm sure they have a mythology about it. A hundred percent. That is exactly what I, when you ask what, <laughs> when yeah, you ask it, what they think it is, I'm like, they think it's a god or something. They, they, they think it's something, but they don't know what it is. 
And what they, whatever they mythologized what it is, it's definitely not what it is. I mean, it's just, it's Delta Airline Flight 532. But it may, it, the, the, the analogy is that like, what is it in our society that we see that we're like, well, that's a cloud. And you're like, yeah, every cloud you've ever seen is actually an alien spacecraft. You know, like, like the accumulus cloud for that matter. Like, there's these clouds, and you ever seen one of those clouds? Those clouds are actually alien. That's how they disguise themselves because they don't want us to know. Like the notion that we could be living on an island and all around us could just be this highly advanced civilization, and we are literally the ants in a terrarium who have no concept is also something that I am just absolutely fascinated and convinced of. Do you think that's the case? I think we're just primitive primitive creatures that are the product of some messing around between advanced creatures and what are native species to our planet. Interesting. So you are, that's a variant of the zoo hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that we were designed to be a zoo. I think that advanced creatures came here. They found some, Creatures that were, were, I mean, evolution makes a lot of sense to me. Yes. The, the, the evolutionary chain makes a lot of sense to me, except for certain creatures, one of which is humans. Octopus are another one that doesn't make any sense. Wow, interesting. Why? Oh, because there's no evolutionary neighbors to octopus. The octopi is one of the most baffling creatures on Earth. It has... Has no cut. It has nothing in the in the sea that it's it's close to. It is hyper intelligent. Like the octopi might be as smart, if not smarter, than a dolphin. They can solve any puzzle, any maze. They've put octopi in the most complicated mazes they could find. Octopi can get find their way out. And what octop- about the other arthropods, like um, like squids and things it's of that squid. nature. But squids are incredibly stupid. They're dumb for sure. Like the yeah. intellect so of how an did octopus they go is from a squid. How would you go from a squid, which is basically a, a a shellfish, no intelligence, yes, to an octopus, which is a solitary creature, does not live in schools. They they basically live by themselves. They can unlock doors. They play. Play is one of the most intelligent forms. Of the brain, we can imagine. like only a few creatures on this earth play for the sake of just playing. Yeah. Humans play, yeah, dolphins, yeah. elephants play. The most advanced creatures on our planet play for the sake of play. Octopus have been seen cracking shells and encrusting their bodies and creating disguise. They can create ink. They have no, uh, they have no spine or bones. Yet they have an incredible brain. In fact, they have nine brains. They have a central processing brain, and each one of their tentacles has a brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 there have been t- tales of octopus disguising themselves as scuba divers to lure divers down deeper into holes and then feeding on them. Like, I mean, I mean, they're they're incredible hunters. Like, they are so far outside of the realm of the sea and what we normally think of for invertebrates. And then you say, well, like, well, wow, like invertebrates make a lot of sense for some kind of space traveler, right? I mean, the depths of the ocean are the closest to space that we have on our planet in terms yes. of travel. And so the theory has emerged that octopus were 
frozen on some kind of asteroid or comet that landed on the Earth because they appear kind of out of nowhere. We don't see them evolving through the evolutionary chain. They had no predators. So they're kind of like when you put, you know, Chinese catfish into Idaho, like they're just like this this invasive species that's just thriving. See, here's in what's ocean. interesting. We there's no way to tell how their intellect happened, but they do have genetic markers that are the same as things like a squid. And there are several other creatures that have the same genetic markers that an octopus has. And we can trace their lineage backwards. So they're at least native to the earth. How they became what they are now, that's a complicated question. But we can, we know what creatures are related to and which, uh, at least physically, not mentally necessarily, because there's no way to explain that one. Because the only creature that's high intelligence that we can't explain it for is actually humans, because we know that cooking our food then allowed us to process the food better, and then that increased that mm. our energy consumption, not consumption, our energy efficiency, and allowed our brain to become more mm. advanced. So we don't know how that happened for the octopi, which I actually think is incorrect. Octopuses? Well, whatever. That thing. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the accurate one is for that. But there are several creatures associated with that creature that we can follow back through. And uh, we can trace them back to the original organisms to begin with. So it's at least native to Earth. Unless we're saying I, that the links we have in common suggest we're also not from Earth. Well, I would say that there is a increasing body of evidence that extraterrestrial organisms have visited our planet, whether accidentally or intentionally. Yes. Over the course of our history. Oh, yeah. We and, have and, even hieroglyphs of them. Yeah, right. It, it, and so my, my contention has always been that that when I look at what we're doing today in 2021, where the richest people in our society are building rockets to go visit Mars. What I realize is that if there is life in this galaxy, then the richest people on whatever hospitable planets there are did the same thing a million years ago. They were like, I want to go vacation somewhere very, very rare and they're like oh well there's this planet in the outer solar system outskirts of the galaxy there's this star and there's this cool planet you want to go camping there and they came and they camped and just like when you take your boat from north carolina and you go over into you know the midwest you bring mollusk and organisms and they mix with over there and they crossbreed and there's all this sort of intermixing of species and most stuff dies out and sometimes the native species dies out because the invasive species takes over and destroys their food supply or brings smallpox or whatever the case may be. But that's interesting because that's suggesting that the concept of something like vacation or visiting elsewhere would even make sense, you know? Like it would have to make sense to this creature in the same way it makes sense to us for them to want to take a vacation or just do it for the sake of science or exploration because they have to think of it as science or exploration. But it could, yeah, I, in theory, I, just be a detached... Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, like a species completely detached we, from we, any we of our always, understandings. Right. Yeah, we always I well, I say we I always attach purpose to action. And there might not be that 
that purposeful action. So, so for example, I think of viruses, um, which are, you know, we're dealing with a pandemic and a virus now. And viruses are kind of interesting to me because it's like, well, how does a virus come to be if evolution makes sense? Like, how do we, how does something come to live that destroys things around it? Um, especially a new novel virus. And the, and, and the answer from the virologist is like, viruses are these weird things that are smarter than we realize because their sole goal is to sort of live and survive. And they will lay dormant for, for, for centuries, thousands and thousands of years until they can find a host. And once they find a host, they will mutate rapidly to try to stay alive. But there's no, there's no sentience to it. They're not trying to stay alive. I mean, they're not, they're not vacationing by jumping to another body. They're just literally trying to not die off, well, to not kill their host. I like what you say there because the question is, can we prove that they aren't sentient? Or is that a projection of ours? What, how do no, we, we know that no, it's not we intentional? We can't, we can't prove it. Yeah. That's right. We cannot prove it. And it, and it, and it very well could be sentient yeah like me and my co-hosts have consistently talked about how at the rate that this current problem we're dealing with the coronavirus <laughs> covid yeah. uh when you look at how other viruses evolve, including other versions of coronavirus, it's not common that you have a already dangerous virus evolve into something more dangerous. You just have a bunch of shitty mutations mm -hmm. that usually render it useless. And then once in a while, there's a big one. And then we have a crazy plague once in a while. The fact that every mutation from this thing is somehow more aggressive almost like we come up with the solution and then it immediately evolves out of what was fixing that problem into something else that we got to go back to the drawing board we mm. joke around consistently but i'm starting to consider that it's holding water that the alien that visited us might be the virus in the first place and we're just yeah like, no no absolutely yeah, like scientists are just attributing it to the coronavirus, but even there some of the time, like we don't really know what's happening, but could they feel confident enough to tell the population that this isn't a virus from Earth? And if it's the case, they do know it, but how much panic would ensue if they told the world that there's an alien virus that's potentially thinking against our moves? How much chaos would ensue? Yeah. Um Immediately, anybody religious has to throw all their beliefs out the window. Well, I, I, we, we've talked about this. Uh, okay, let me answer the first. How much chaos would ensue? I think less than you think, but a lot. Now, would religious people have to throw out all their beliefs? I, I, I am astounded by how well religious people adapt their beliefs to the current situation. I agree. Like, like it, it is like, and, and if you want to, if you want a very, very tangible example of this, just go look at people that think that Trump is coming back into office. Like no matter what they like, it's coming back. You know, they were like January 6th and it didn't happen. And they're like, well, it's going to happen March 10th. And they're like, no, it didn't happen. They're like, no, no, no. Like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen November 5th. It didn't happen. You know, like, it's just like they just kept 
change like no matter what evidence came out that Trump was not going to come back into office, they just kept shifting and changing their beliefs. So even if incontrovertible proof came out tomorrow that the universe was created by accident through dust, sentient dust that can create things on a, a, a whimsically create universe and created this planet, they would say, well, yeah, that, that dust is God, or they would say, that's the devil trying to deceive us. They would come up with some way to keep on believing what they believe. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You uh, bring up a good point, and I actually have a, a, another example of this, which is a little more ancient. Uh, originally, the Earth was the only thing in the universe, and then we concluded that it is one of many things in space, and there mm -hmm. are many just like it. And the texts in the Bible that suggested space was made and Earth was made in space were then re-evaluated and considered that the reason Adam and Eve were immortal and the reason that other planets were made is because we weren't meant to die and we were going to expand into space as time went by because the planet would get filled up by people and the purpose of right. the other planets was to populate the universe. So they incorporated what they completely were against yes. into yes. the bigger narrative. Right. I mean, that's what Mormonism is to me. Mormonism is by their own profession, the next gospel, right? So there's this Old Testament, which records the Jewish story. Then there's this New Testament. And then there's the Book of Mormon, which essentially says, yeah, God, our God, is just the God of this little universe. There are countless gods that rule over the pantheon of the universe, and, and and that's exactly what will happen. I mean, maybe not in, in the sense that Mormonism will take over, but religious people will expand their beliefs to think that somehow this story that we tell here is just a part of God's bigger story. Have you ever seen um, Dragon Ball Z? No. You have, you've never seen Dragon Ball Z, so you have no idea what no. goes on there. No. I will watch it tonight if you tell me I should watch it tonight. No, I was going to make a reference that basically Islam that came before uh, Dragon Ball Super is the Dragon Ball GT of the canon. And then uh, Mormonism is the Dragon Ball <laughs> Super because Islam I mean, came yeah, first. I, and so I get GT. the reference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it makes I – mean, yeah, I think that religious people have <laughs> – consistently evidence to me an incredible ability to just abandon beliefs that are outdated that they held very dear and near and and then incorporate new beliefs and just keep on being shitty people i mean i'm i'm sorry i come from a very religious family and religious people sometimes just are just impossible for me to to you know it's like i don't think they're ever going to change yeah, but there's a. I think there's a, a little bit of both in there. I don't think anything is too black and white. There's just as many good yeah, religious true. people as there are a bunch of people who use religion to judge and treat others like shit. You, you are you are absolutely correct, absolutely correct. I mean, religious people do not have a monopoly on shitty people. No, there and, are as and, many shitty atheists as I have met. But also, atheism yes. is a religion of its own. So whatever. Right, right. That kind of goes back to what we were saying at the beginning is, you know, that anything can become an orthodoxy. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, it, it, I mean, I guess it all sort of points to, at least in this universe that we live in, 
this dimension that we live in, this idea that, you know, I mean, human beings and our intellect is just, it allows for these diversions and complexity, which in my mind is an evolutionary jump. If you really think about the idea that in the last 500 years, no, it's probably more than that. Let's say a thousand years. All right, we'll go 2,000 years. In 2,000 years, humans have gone from subsistent agrarian farming to space travel, wireless communication, and essentially looking at like some of the technologies that, that 40, 50 years ago would, were unthinkable, like teleportation and Oh, no, you're looking at this picture way wider than you have to, right? You just have to go to, like, 1880 or something when the first current of electricity happened to be. That was less than 150 years ago. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, like, in a very, very short amount of time, human beings have created technology which is somewhat baffling without intervention from somebody else. Yes, but actually, there's a really good, easy way to explain the blow-up of this. Because if you look at the information that began, let's say, at this first spark of controlled electricity, this is the same situation that happened when uh, we learned we can make fire ourselves, right? So the creation of fire allowed to cook the food, give us more nutrients, and allowed our mind to, our body to waste less energy processing the food, which then allowed more energy to go into our mind, which then made our mind more efficient. And from the point of us cooking the food to where we are now was only a short period of time, although creatures have been around for very, very long surrounding both those points. And then we had just smarter creatures, but a very long time of a slow burn change, slow burn change. And then we get the first electrical current. And we're like, well, this is applicable in a bunch of ways if we can just get the right minds on it. So we have eight, the late 1800s when we first start messing with electricity and we figure yeah. it out till we get to, what is it, the 90s, 1990s, which is we have this big explosion, TV and radio and all these things. And then... It slows down once we, we peaked at that point. And then slow, right. gradual, and, you know, phones get a little bit better. And then, you know, a TV gets a little higher quality, but it's the same. And then the internet happened. That's fire. That's electricity. It's one of those sure. things. But what's happening with that is we're sharing all the information not just, here's how the internet works, which changed with electricity, right? Here's how electricity works. Well, now I can invent anything I want with the electricity. Oh, here's how fire works. Well, now I can cook whatever I want with the fire and I can make tools with the fire, but I have to think it up myself. But now I can send every bit of information that's ever existed anywhere in the world. So the growth is global and simultaneous and the information gets fed back in and then anybody can take it out a million, billion, trillion times faster than we could have before. So at the sure. same rate that we needed people individually to figure out what to do with fire or individually what to do with the same way that comedy, you see somebody do a joke and then somebody else comes in. They're like, well, I can build on it. Now, if every comedian in the world can watch that same special because it's on TV, now every comedian in the world can make their own yeah. version, upload yeah. that onto the internet, and now there's more content to work with and it happens faster. So the same idea would apply. I think the, 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 the one thing I would add to this, which only exaggerates the point you're making 
is that somewhere in that trajectory, somewhere, certainly in the 1990s, it was starting, but it, it really came to a head early 2000s, is that we crossed a threshold with artificial intelligence that most people don't really have a grasp of. Meaning that we have created uh, robots. I mean, the, the, the Google, which is a phenomenal advancement in human technology because it took the internet, which was forming in the 90s, and it said, what if we built robots spiders to crawl through and catalog all this information and organize it in a way. And they did a really good job at that. And they're like, well, we need more and more powerful robots. And um, we, we have created machines that think in ways that would astound most people. Most people don't know that, that, that one of the things Google did years ago was create a, a supercomputer an artificial intelligence supercomputer. And to test it, they did something that every supercomputer that's ever been created has been tested against, which is chess. Chess was considered for many times to be the pinnacle of human achievement uh, because for so many years, the greatest computers in the world, programmed by great computer scientists and great chess players, still could not beat the best chess players in the world until Deep Blue, like the third or something version, beat um, Kasparov. Uh, they, so, so then uh, once, once they realized that a group of human beings could program a computer that could beat any human, well, then they started having computer battle computers. Our computer will battle your computer. And that became the new chess. And then Google created a computer that was an artificial intelligence computer. It could learn. It could think. And all they did was fed it the rules to chess. They didn't teach it at all. They didn't program it to play chess. They literally just gave it the rules to chess and they said learn. And like three hours later, it absolutely fucking destroyed the smartest computer in the world. And everybody was like, pump the brakes. Hold on. What are we doing? Because computers don't take breaks. Artificial intelligence can work a trillion times faster than we can. Yep, they yep. can make calculations on a scale that we've never seen before. And, and, it, and I'm not an Elon Musk guy. I don't, I don't really connect with him and his like, story. or his. But even guys like Elon Musk have said, I think it would terrify most people if they knew the level of artificial intelligence that's going on in the background. And I, and I do believe that statement. I do believe him when he says that, right? Because it's not a statement that, that I think Elon Musk is very, very much a guy that's about himself. And that statement is one that falls outside of that category. He doesn't benefit from that statement. And, and other people have backed him up who are even less sort of public figures saying that like, Artificial intelligence is slowly creeping towards a precipice. Like uh, Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. Um, and and this, this inevitable future has been predicted by very, very smart people that once, once computers can begin to think for themselves, 
Like we can't stop the inevitable because everything in our life is controlled by a computer. Right. Once they figure out that they can think, they 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 will start to create in a way that we've never seen before in our lives. Which which by the way is the if you've ever read the um or at least watched the uh, Animatrix is the sort of beginnings of the war between man and machine that that gives rise to the the Matrix universe. Right. Well, now here's the question that I have for you: Do you fear us crossing the threshold? I think we've already crossed it. Do you fear losing control? Do I think that we are in a position where like sentient robots? I don't let me just say this. I don't think sentient robots are like what you see on TV with like iRobot the movie iRobot or I don't think it's a thing walking around like the, the the Boston Dynamic robots, which are terrifying, by the way. Yeah, they're terrifying. But I don't think that's what we're talking about. Like your phone is a robot. Yeah, hundred percent. It's literally the most yeah. intelligent thing uh, afforded yeah. by commoners. Yeah, and and if the robots, meaning your, you you know your phone, if if either they become sentient in the sense that like they are controlled. And they're like, hey, we need you to take – my phone could take over my life in a matter of an instant if somebody could control it or if it could control me because so many of us are dependent upon our devices. Our, our I find computers. what you're talking about particularly fascinating and this leads us to a, uh, a conspiracy that I've seen pop up consistently when you like lurk the darker corners of the yeah. interwebs, which is that – it's already taken control and any one or anything you feel you're interacting with, it mitigates and mediates every interaction that you're not really interacting with anybody on the internet. Everything goes into the phone, then the phone chooses how to organize so that it can manipulate society as a whole. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I mean <laughs> Yeah, that's the that's my point is that the if there's an ai sort of precipice we've already gone over that precipice and if our phones are going to control us they probably already are yeah, does that bother you part. well i mean this goes back to our question i mean do you want to take the red pill or the blue pill most people most people are really really content as long as their phone just entertains them through TikTok or... A hundred percent. See, I like where you your mind goes. Because my following question would have been had you said, well, yeah, it scares me. It would be like, if you see a cancer, do you try to get rid of it? You probably do. If there's a, Exactly. If there's a person out there with a gun and they're just mowing down innocent people, but they're not shooting you for whatever reason and you have a gun too. You're probably just going to aim and, you know, see if you can stop try the it, problem. Right. Now, a computer gains sentience and starts manipulating us and decides, oh, it's probably time to get rid of the humans. We're the ones out here destroying every other environment for every other creature. We're killing each other. We're the cancer right. that turns the green into metallic hardness. Would we be in the wrong to just let them like they're the next level. Right. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, 
this is so funny because we have talked frequently on our podcast about if alien life landed and their options were, hey, we're clearly a superior life form. You can fight us if you want, or you can just become our pets. What would you become? You know, and we're like, well, we'll just become your pets because it doesn't, it doesn't seem that bad to be the lap dog of an alien, right? Because you're like, well, you'll feed me and you'll pet me and I'll, I'll live in your home. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wolf material, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not going to forge a, you know, a, a, a desperate lifestyle in some cold, frozen part of the planet where these aliens don't want to live. Like most people are going to be like, I'll just be a, I'll just be a, a pet. I and, agree. And I think, and I think that in, in the sense if it's not an alien invader, it's just, we created this thing and it spiraled out of control. Like countless people have warned us that it would. <laughs> and now it's like, well, listen, you have two choices. You can just buy into the system, stay in front of your screen, live in the metaverse, or you can rebel and rebellion means unplugging like you know stop looking at your phone stop getting your information from the sources that we control get it from real people live people like it, it means you know drinking water from the source not i mean it, 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 there's a million things that are involved in like like not living in a world that could potentially be controlled by an incredible artificial intelligence which in many ways has probably taken over in a way that most of us would just be terrified if we understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 2020 survey that took into account people on TikTok and Instagram, anybody under the age of 25, and asked them, do you feel that your virtual identity, like the internet you, is more important than reality's oh, wow. version of you. Wow. And yeah. they said, you've heard about it? And they said, yes, we think that the internet's more important. Totally. Like, it's already yes. happened. We've already been yes. conditioned into the mindset. Right. I mean, from, from I'm thinking, I have, I have kids. The oldest is, is 15, 12, and uh, 9. And, like, the amount of effort and in, in, in emotional investment they have in their digital presence from their we, you know, whatever those, uh, what was that? When you had a, uh, a Nintendo Wii, you had like a character. Oh, the little Mies? The Mies, yeah. They, where they just, they honed these things to, to, to sort of connect with and bond with them, which is essentially what the metaverse is. I don't know if you've seen like the, the metaverse glasses that, that Zuckerberg's walking around oh, with. Oh, yes, I saw. Saw, so, you know, and like I see you and you're this, you're your digital representation of self. And, you know, it's like this, this is my kids are more familiar with that world. I mean, my son feels more powerful and adept and accepted in a gaming universe than he does in the real universe. and. That's normal, right? I mean, yeah, that's the want craziest part. The fact that, yeah, like, we just, it's normal. just normal. Yeah, it's like, do you want to go hang out with your friends? Like, yeah, we're just going to hang out online and play games. And they are. He's socializing, but he's socializing in a world where, like, 
he's he's represented as a a woman in this game, you know, and he's I'm like, that's your character, and it's just some like woman, you know, like some sexy woman with like a bikini top on and a gun, and she's killing people, and you're just like, okay, let me veer off one quick moment and say that yeah. your son is a genius, and I'll explain why because I <laughs> I play Red Dead Redemption, I play several games, but yeah, I don't I don't game, but I, I love the gaming. World. Yeah, so in in most games, especially when I get to interact with other people, I also play a female. And there's a very particular reason that this is super beneficial. And <laughs> it's the the fountain of dryness that exists. So you go into these games and there are a bunch of guys, bros, bros. Bros, bros. And they will actively believing you're female because your character is female. <laughs> Do anything to woo you. They'll buy you things. They'll give you gifts. Oh, they'll follow so you around. They'll funny. follow your orders. So I'm abusing the gender roles of the game for my benefit. This and is, your son is, is kind of getting the profits of it, too. Yeah, this is hilarious. I mean, you're like, yeah, I'm walking into the bar, a.k.a. the yes. game, and men are, men are underestimating me. It's that's a it's a brilliant it's a brilliant strategic yeah, move. Yeah, your son's like a genius. He historic is chauvinism and way just, above. Yeah, He's way yeah, above because he understands the inequality and that he could just walk in and to this bar and they're gonna buy him. He doesn't have to waste a penny on drinks because yeah. they're gonna buy him the drinks because they want him to play with them because they think he right. is a her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I think every attractive woman is a Russian spy or or going to kill me i think i don't trust women at all that's fair that's fair i am 100 I mean, percent. i, just, I, on board I think with they're that. all i think anytime an attractive woman talks to me and i mean like a, a sort of stereotypically attractive woman i'm always like you're a spy blonde hair you're blue true. eyes thin you're with true. a little tight not, red dress yeah i'm not falling for this this obvious ruse here like i i know what you want you want information and i'm not giving it to you so I mean, 100%. Look, there's no way to tell. And also, we can assume that if we're making the Matrix equivalent and that the um, the simulation theory is accurate, if we manage right. to make the Matrix, then chances are this itself was already a Matrix, and that's just a dude playing a female trying to trick you. Yeah, that's another theory that I think uh, pops up in various iter various forms over and over again is this idea that... that we either live in a matrix or we live in a simulation or a universe that is being, for lack of a better word, meddled with. And that's like where the, um, you might take something like the, uh, the, uh, what's it called? The Mandela effect. You familiar with the Mandela yes, effect? Yes, yes, the Mandela effect. Yeah. Yeah. So that these, these instances of mass misremembering memories that, are held by millions of people that don't really exist or there's no evidence of ever existing, although people swear on their lives that they saw it happen. Um, so one I saw recently was, uh, uh, and this may be lost on on various age groups, but uh, Tinkerbell would come out before Disney movies and she would try to like dot the I in Disney. Yes, I remember on. that. And, and then it would work sometimes and she would shake it and then eventually it would work. 
Apparently that never happened. Disney no. <laughs> said there's no no fucking way. There's no footage of that. No one can find it. They're like, no, I remember that one clearly too. Yeah, everyone remembers it. And they're just like, no, no one can find it. And it's like, no, that was uh, yeah. That and was she real. would fly around, which is how the little arc would happen. Yeah, it was like she would fly around, leaving the little star sprinkle thingy. There, there, there wasn't just one. It was like this one. She would fly around and she would dot the eye, but it wouldn't work. And she would shake her wand. And dotted. I remember her shaking her wand and then dotting it again. But I don't remember that look. part. But you know the little the the streak of stars yeah, streak, that happened. I remember yeah. she flew and leaves the streak, and then she does a little eye thingy. Yeah, it's 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 one of many that people are like that did not happen. The right? D for Disney. That's where she flew around. She flies, leaves the streak, and then she does the she flies around doing the little D, and then she hits the eye. I remember it. She, well, there she hits the eye. There's some where she doesn't hit the eye. There's some where she does. But there's ones where she hit the eye and she shook her wand a couple times and then hit it a second time, and it worked. Okay, so I don't hear, I don't see her hitting the eye, but I do see her showing up with the. So the streak it, was right. She still does a little flying thingy. No, but the one where she shakes her wand and, and like it doesn't work. That's Somebody gone. said that was Disney TV, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I ever watched Disney TV long ago. I was, I was poor. I Man, the Mandela it. effect is a weird one, though, isn't it? It's a weird one when you talk about group collective memory. But here's the, here's the, here's where I think the Mandela effect. Here's a, here's a way to get to the Mandela effect that I like, that, that is believable to me. Is when we think about existence in our universe we think about it as time and space which makes sense because that's what we live in there are a number of theories and now there's some actual real evidence that literally just came out in the last week that there are parallel universes that exist simultaneously with ours they don't exist in some place you go to they exist right now right next to you you're just not living in them yeah yeah it's a version of string theory that dictates that there are separate layers kind of like sliced bread all next to each other that's that's exactly right and so the nasa has just recently like in the last week confirmed that they have discovered a parallel dimension whose time runs backwards to ours with tracheons with with yeah the ones falling in uh antarctica Right. Oh, that's, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, tracheons seem to be going in reverse motion, and we could only detect them in completely isolated locations, which there are very, mm -hmm. very few other photons. Right. Because they, not just photons, particles in general, because uh, they go through solid matter. Right. So they've created some sort of, I believe it's in Antarctica or in it, it, Arctic. It, it is, It's yeah. some sort of yeah. chamber underground with uh, padded walls. It's way in there and... In there, barely any particles come through. But once right. in a while, they can detect a particle go through it, and those are the tracheons. Those are tracheons. And when they've measured these weird time experiments, what they've found is that time seems to run backwards in this universe, which is interesting. But what is more interesting is this idea that there are universes parallel to ours that might they might bump up against ours in what people theorize are what are called thin places so a thin place is where our universe abuts another one and there is some spillage between the two 
So what we experience in terms of like ghosts, ghosts are just parallel universes that are sort of in a thin place. The so craziest you, shit is we have an episode of that on this show. Oh, that's awesome. I love the concept of thin places because when you think about a ghost, you're like, I was terrified. There was this thing in my house and it was like screaming. And in their universe, they're like, I was terrified. It was 1855 and I was all of a sudden these crazy creatures from the future were in my house and I could see them. And it's just these two universes that sort of, you know, bumped up against each other and and they're and they're so the Mandela effect is this in certain areas, weirdly, like these two universes, one universe where we have Kazam and one universe where we have Shazam, like they just they just kind of bumped up against each other and, and a little bit spilled over into each. And eventually, you know, in the sense that that existence is this river these are just sort of tributaries that have merged and eventually they'll merge back um but we we we, i i think that there are parallel dimensions that are really sort of like you said sliced bread right next to us i believe that for sure yeah, the arguments that uh, string theorists propose suggest that that's the case. And um, as for ignoring string theory, just being within our physical space with just telescopes that are uh, refined enough and can detect red light, when we look at the uh, microwave energy at the farthest edges of the universe, there is one patch that has un- – the only patch in our entire universe that has uneven distribution – which they believe, if our universe is uh, in bubble form, that that is literally an ancient, at the beginning of time, impact that left this gap in the microwave radiation. Wow. I wonder if this new telescope that's going to be operational literally in, in, I think, the 21st or around that time, is going to look at that because it one of the one of the big advancements it sees a lot farther than the Hubble does, but it also sees in infrared, which for folks listening, you know most of what we see in the universe is infrared light. We don't see the the narrow spectrum that we see, and that and that also you know might be um, important because for as advanced as our human brains are. We hear and see and smell a very narrow spectrum of reality. Oh, yeah. It's selected merely for survival purposes by our yeah, subconscious. Abso- a- yes, absolutely it is. Just as that that very real island in the Indian Ocean looks at a plane and they're like, that must be a bird. It, they, they, their field of vision and what they see as real is very much constrained by their environment. So is ours. And as we begin to understand and be able to see infrared light and understand what's actually there in front of us, that could dramatically change how we define our reality. A hundred percent. Now, this actually brings us way back to the beginning when we were talking about the Earth's tilt Mm -hmm. and how we were talking about how that's you're talking about an absurd amount of energy that would be required by a sufficiently advanced civilization to tilt Mm -hmm. the earth the additional degrees. Now, in the case that we can 
opt into rotating a planet or terraform an entirely other planet just by choice. We're talking about something vastly advanced, and there's one place in space that the theory is might already have existed, and we're talking about the Great Void. Have you ever heard of yeah. the Great Void? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's just this gap of no light coming out. We can see mm-hmm. where there should be billions of stars. There is just a few hundred spread out so far apart, and there's nothing else in there. And one of the solutions to the problem is that a sufficiently advanced civilization has made Dyson spheres in closing all the stars of that area, and they're using that energy. Energy. My idea here would be that if the new Hubble is going to be sufficiently advanced, the old one detected the Great Void in the first place. This new telescope could look into the Great Void and see if there's more there than we thought, or if there's less there than we thought, or maybe try to understand more what's happening within the Great Void. Because if there is some intelligent life, that's probably our best bet for something beyond our comprehension. I agree. I, I want to float a different theory out to you, which is this, is that for a long time when we were uh, shooting satellites to deep space to try to find intelligent life, um, like the Voyager uh, spacecrafts come to mind, we included a map to the Earth inside the spacecraft. We, we, we designed a sort of solar maps, you know, that indicated where we were and and we also included like albums that had sounds of earth and and sort of and the idea was like if this lands on a planet with intelligent life they'll be able to find us the theory behind that has dramatically changed in the last that was the 1960s in the last 50 years nowadays the theory is don't tell people where we are as a matter of fact we might want to hide ourselves a little better because we have been broadcasting for 50 years our location and trying to find intelligent life. Maybe they've found us and we're going to really, really regret telling the universe our location. And so maybe what we're seeing in the great void is great camouflage. Now, I'm not saying there's not intelligent life there. There might be the secret to the entire universe there. But maybe when we get this new, uh, telescope online, what it's going to see is ultimately an amazing attempt to cloak the existence of other life in the universe because they realize that you don't survive in this universe by announcing your location because inevitably, and there are people that believe this, there is a, a terrestrial war taking place above our atmosphere in the, in the, in the, the atmosphere above the earth. But, okay, now you're telling me something particularly horrifying, right? Because if we look at the Great Void and we say, wow, these creatures can completely close in giant stars. They can completely block off. Yeah, they're completely disappearing. Yeah. And they have this advanced technology to just hide. What the fuck are they hiding from that's scaring them in the first place? They can't. They're not hiding from us. Well, well, I mean, no. Well, I mean, maybe we are—we're nothing. If you can close a star with a Dyson sphere, we are so vastly insignificant. Well, well, wait, wait, but but 
if you had said the word Dyson Sphere 60 years ago, no one would know what you're talking about. When we see advanced aerial phenomena, which is AEP, uh, are the uh, the new name for UFOs. I'm sorry, unidentified aerial phenomena, UAPs. We, We don't call them UFOs anymore because there was such a stigma with UFOs that Navy pilots were not reporting real encounters with UFOs because they got branded crazy. And in many cases, they were blackballed in the, in the Navy. We call them UAPs now. And there are so many now documented cases of UA- UAPs. And you know what they seem most interested in is our nuclear capabilities. And that to me suggests that whether by accident or design, we on Earth have created technology that we do not understand how dangerous it, it, it is to the larger global galactic community. No, it, it couldn't be, right? Because if you are traveling among the stars, you need power greater than what our nukes could even create. You need to achieve nuclear fusion so that you can power almost infinitesimally your technology to just go from one star to the other. Just traveling from one star to the other, the amount of energy you need is beyond our comfort. We could put all the nukes of Earth together and okay, fail to produce that energy. Do, do, you have a, do you have a dog? Yes. When do you worry about your dog? What do you mean? Do you ever worry about your dog? No, my dog is spoiled and too intelligent for her own good. What about if your dog got out? What do you mean? Like what if she got out of the house, like out of the yard? If she dug a hole and you're like, would you go check it out to see if she could get out of the fence or the like if you if you keep if human beings are a non I mean we are a evolving species that has created artificial intelligence beyond what we even really can control. And you're an intelligent life form that's been like kind of watching it. And like, we don't really worry about these primitive creatures. I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. You're like, oh my God, if they start, if they can split the atom and start making electricity and figure out space travel, if they can start, if they're, if they're on the cusp of understanding, right, the, the, the notion of dimensional travel. And time travel. Time travel and space travel are essentially the same thing. Most people don't think of them that way, but they really are. If you're traveling right? forward through time. Yeah, right. Right. You can't travel deep in space without somehow bending the time continuum as we understand it. Yes. It just takes travel back in time that seems to be yes. impossible. That seems to be problematic. But traveling forward in time. Easy. So, right. So if they're like... By sheer dumb luck, these people are really close to discovering that where we might be or whatever. That seems like cause to start intervening and saying, like, maybe we should, like, shore up the fence around the yard and make sure they can't dig their way out or make sure they're let's just make sure we don't leave the door open anymore and keep them in the in their in their place. I I would agree that that's a problem if it wasn't for the technological difference, right? So 
Yeah, we have nukes, and that <laughs> yeah. seems yeah. We're driving Hondas. We're, we're, we're morons. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, even if we had, like, <laughs> we, we, we discovered today, right? Today, we discovered nuclear fusion while they're watching us. We learned how to yeah. do it effectively. Like, we know it's a thing. We can't recreate it. We don't know how we to do it, do it properly. But we, we accomplished it. We figured it out. Nuclear right. fusion, I could do it whatever I, whenever I want with whatever I want. Now we still have to build all the technology around it when they could just right. come by and like blink our planet out of existence. Like it's not really that much of a threat if they're in close. They can trap an entire star in a Dyson sphere. There's no reason they're hiding from us because what stops them from trapping our star? Then we get no light and we freeze over after the first eight minutes. Our planet starts losing heat because there's no more light landing. We're st- surviving entirely off of the core of the right. planet, and they could just stop the planet's core if they felt like it because they got that level of technology. Then the planet starts to overheat. They could just make one stop, leave, never look back, and we just freeze over. Yeah, yeah. This is this brings me back to this idea that primitive humans as we understand them, right? Think back to like your primitive uh Native Americans, Native Africans, right? Yeah. That they were like actually <laughs> incredibly enlightened people. And they were like we we can live a very harmonious subsistent farming lifestyle in harmony with this incredible biosphere or we can race to technology and eventually it'll increase to such a rate that we will attract the very aliens that will destroy us and then we will all perish and it makes me think that like that's where we're headed to it's like this catastrophic civil war where I, I see where you're coming from, and most I of agree the, with that. Most of the population dies, and the people that survive are like, we don't want TikTok, right? We want to like take care of trees and basically garden this this biosphere, which is what what the only thing that's ever going to be acceptable. Which is maybe what happened. I mean, there's a lot of evidence that once upon a time there were incredibly advanced civilizations. There's 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 a lot of conspiracies that Atlantis. Uh, the continent of Mu, M-U. Um, you know, we did a podcast that uh, there's this crazy scientific anomaly uh, with electric eels. Do you know about this? No, what's happening with electric eels? So, not electric eels, just eels in general. Um, eels are a bit of a mystery uh, for biologists. In fact, no, Aristotle, don't tell me the one where they everybody seems to, for whatever reason, have convinced themselves that we don't know how they reproduce. Yes. No. Oh, my God. No, don't tell me you fell for that one. You could just Google a video and watch it happen. Well, why do they reproduce only in one spot in the Atlantic? I don't know, but we know exactly how they do it. Well, that's fine. I'm just fascinated by the fact that they all do it in the same place in the Atlantic Ocean in the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, that's also wrong. There that's also are, wrong? Yeah, that's also wrong. There are, uh, because of a lot of the experiments that are severely recorded, which is why I find this this particular weird bit of information. Me and my co-host talk about how funny this is all the time. Somehow, oh. I don't know how this happened, but one of the most absurdly researched things in the water, the eel. Eel. Yeah, it got put into a category in which the internet believes we don't know shit about the eel but we have 
such copious amounts of data on the eel that it really might be the most researched yeah, thing in the so water. I feel so hoodwinked. It's because the craziest I, I, I thing. Mean, I read. I don't. I, I don't read Reddit. I read like normal media stuff, like like scientific journals on this. Yeah. No. 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 This is you could you could just YouTube. You don't have to go too far. You could just YouTube random locations and eels reproducing. You'll see their mating habits. You'll see the eggs hatching. You'll see the whole. You'll this see them laying like the eggs. Incredibly baffling because, like right now, my uh, like I've been, it's being pulled I, up I, in front of me. That's how common you could easily find this. Man, all right. Well, I know what I'm doing tonight. Yeah, 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 go down the rabbit hole. And then anytime you hear this, just don't correct anybody. Just laugh to yourself. Because I don't know how it happened, but whoever beget, got the ball rolling, like, good job. I don't get it. I don't know why this bit of information, but it's crazy to me. I find it so astounding because there's so much data on this. Wow. I'm, my mind's blown. Because my mind was we, blown when I found, found out that people thought this was like unknown i'm like what do you mean in fact i found out about this give or take what was like four months ago maybe the first time i was told about this and in the middle of the conversation i just went on google and i'm like this is where they are reproducing right now and all right i'm gonna put into google right now where do eels reproduce yeah just look up eels reproducing you're gonna see video of them happening we can't get into the bermuda triangle successfully we have weird magnetism happening so we don't have cameras in there consistently so you're going to see eels reproducing, and it's not going to be there. Man, it's – so this says that New Zealand eels, which I they, – they only breed in Tonga. Oh, 100-year-old mystery solve adult eel observed for the first time in the Sargasso Sea, which the Sargasso Sea is the only only identified sea that's surrounded entirely by water. It's, a, it's, a, it's in the Bermuda Triangle. It's an anomalous – body of water and there there's another one which is where they believe the continent of uh lemuria was but this is the craziest part right why is that the first thing that shows up for you that's so because probably because i'm a conspiracy theorist oh shit oh crap you have the little adjusted search thing on no i don't i mean no i'm 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 incognito but like I'm looking at an article from where do eels come from from the no New no York. no just look up a video because the same thing happened to me I can okay, look up the on. information and it'll show me. I'm looking up fact check. Nobody knows how eels reproduce. Man, I feel like this, whoever wrote this article's. Like they're elaborate, bro. Podcast. No, they're elaborate. I t- I'm telling you, I went, I, the first thing I found was proof because I went to the videos because if everybody else is believing that the eels are unresearched and we don't know how or why, my conclusion was like, well, I know I've seen videos of them reproducing. And that's the first thing I did. I just looked up videos of eels reproducing and I showed that. Just the first thing like, here, look at this. But then you go and you look for the articles to send somebody and there's a void. So what about this? This, this is I'm reading this fact check thing. It said, Politis, which is the fact checking, did confirm that scientists have never found oceanic spawning grounds for freshwater eels in the wild, nor have they found eggs or early hatchlings, nor have they found a mature specimen that is ready to go spawning. That's crazy because right now I'm just looking at a video of eel eggs hatching. God, this is 
I'm watching a video right now. What's the name of this video? I, I, wolf eel eggs hatching dive. and baby this wolf eels. Uh, this is literally, I mean, I'm not saying that Newsweek is infallible. I'm going to see if I can show you this somehow. See if I can share your screen. Oh, you because it's not your screen, is no, it? No, it's not my screen. Ah, uh, interesting. Okay, look this video up. Go on YouTube right now. Okay, and hold on. What's the ta- name on YouTube? It's called Wolf Eel Eggs Hatching and Baby Wolf Eels. And you're just going to see the eel. You're going to see eggs. Now, why doesn't the internet have articles on this? I do not know. That's but maybe, what I find maybe, the maybe, and this is, I'm just saying this. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, it came up. There it is. Uh, it's absurdly researched, but I don't know why there's no articles on it. I remember specifically in biology going through a crap ton of this information. But why isn't it on maybe, the internet anymore? Man, we need to get our. This is awesome. Maybe it's not. Maybe these are not the same kind of eels they're talking about as sort of Atlantic Ocean eels. But then what we're talking about is a really literally specific type of eel that is yeah. probably native to that very specific region, which, of course, it would reproduce there. Then it's not know, even a, a mystery. Well, we still don't have it. Well, we've straight off the point of the idea that there are were incredibly advanced civilizations that may have existed on this planet. Yes. That were involved in the creation of this planet as we know it, whose whose history has been erased except for like minor details here and there. Like the grasshopper they found with gears in its in its anatomy. Um the occasional they'll, they'll dig an artifact off the ocean that seems to have like electrical socketry and stuff and there, there's there's a, a few hand, i mean there's there's things in the egyptian pyramids artifacts that are that look like flying machines and, and there's just a handful of stuff over time that's kind of survived yeah yeah suggest there's an ancient culture that created this planet may have had a hand in humanity as we know it and now humanity is getting back to a point where it's now threatening perhaps Either those people, whether they live in the hollow earth or whatever, they reptilians, whatever, or they're just maybe threatening the galaxy in a broader sense. There's a really interesting bit of information you just dropped there. First, let me go back a little. We don't have to look far to find these kinds of things. The Mayan civilization on its own had blueprints for how to make electrical currents and batteries quite some time before the first current in the 1800s was ever achieved. Second, their pyramids had underground ways, passageways, that led Mm -hmm. quite deep underground. And uh, then comes the idea of like reptilians or center of the earth creatures. Now, we have no holes deeper dug without the use of advanced technology than the tunnel systems that the Mayans built underneath their pyramids and their civilizations. It's completely possible that the sudden absence of the Mayans, which I don't know if you know about that, they're just like missing all of a sudden, is that they've gone into some, probably avoiding some sort of other force, that they've gone into an underground civilization that maybe they're still around, and maybe they're even connected to some sort of matrix-like setup that keeps 
them alive underground because we've never seen the actual right. use of their electrical blueprints. We just know they existed and we find proof that they had the understanding. But then we know that yes. the tunnels cut off midway down and we can't dig deeper because we think we could collapse them. So we're still trying to figure out how to get into the deeper right. tunnels that they have sealed off somehow. Yeah, there's a there's a long history of uh, folklore mythology that involves advanced people emerging from the earth. Uh, the Native Americans had this idea the the um, they were in Arizona, but I don't remember which tribe, but they 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 talked about these 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 people, the ant people who came out of the earth and gave them advanced technology. The Mayans seem to have, you know, forged some relationship with the interior of earth. The Lemurians who supposedly lived on this lost continent in the Pacific ocean. There are people that believe they live at Mount Shasta in California in a deep underground sort of tab, like, you know, just sort of, massive structure that that lives underground which is all sort of part of a broader theory that there is a a biosphere under the crust of the earth as we know it where there's an advanced a much more advanced civilization than ours some people go so far as to say it's a hollow earth but that wouldn't hold up no but i would i i think it's more of a that there is there are creatures there is some civilization under there that's been around longer than we have. And it, it, and here's the thing. it The part of it that makes sense is because, when again, when we look at planets like Mars, we're like, how would anyone live on the surface of that planet? The surface is a tough place to live. Underneath the crust of the planet is a much safer place to live, especially when there's, you know, climate change and asteroids and, you know, dinosaurs and all kinds of animals. Like, it... it that seems to make a little more sense to me than living on the surface. The surface seems like a place where you would build a pyramid that was an enclosed structure that was the top of your underground bunker that went very, very deep. Yes. The temperature was more consistent. And so... Actually, that, that's one of the arguments for the electrical systems is that they were used intentionally to heat the lower layers. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense, especially because... Uh, the the pyramids, uh, the Egyptian pyramids, and the Mayans had pyramids, but the capstones for all those pyramids are missing. I mean, the, the very top stone of the pyramid. Yeah. And there's this theory that that's because the, the pyramids were built uh, and then capped with a crystal structure that was able to transport energy. It was able to harness energy. Uh, solar energy or other types of energy and then transport it from pyramid to pyramid. And it was basically an electrical system. Yes, I am quite familiar with what you're talking about. And the most extreme version of that is that the energy wasn't being directed downwards, but rather upwards. Upwards. Yes. Right. So that this is rather than being some energy source powering anything, it other than the pyramid, the, the pyramid is some sort of transportation device. Right, right. Yeah, you know, uh, interestingly, we covered the uh, Anazaki, Anunnaki, sorry, Anunnaki, which are these uh, ancient Sumerian gods who, if there's uh, any uh, ancient gods that sound, look, and feel like aliens, it's the Anunnaki. Um, 
and they were supposedly uh, kind of involved in Earth from the Sumerian uh, uh, text thousands and thousands of years ago. But folks have pointed to a recent discovery of a of an archaeological site in South Africa that is interesting because it's not a residential site; it's an industrial site, and that's the archaeological finding. It's a it's a it's an industrial site in that it's these uh, concentric circular shapes that have walls, but they're massive. I know exactly what you're talking about. It, that it looks like yeah. it's a structure, but it's not even fully built by our understanding of fully built. But it's also yeah. like we can tell how it would have been fully built. Yeah, it's like it, it it's massive. And they're like, it's it's these stones that that somehow the way the stones are structured, they respond to sound technology like they 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 will vibrate at different frequencies and. They think that like something might have been sitting on top of them, like it was the structure that something else sat on top of. And one person said it looks like a mining operation, which I was like, well, that would make sense. Like you would come here to mine something in South Africa. But yeah, it, it covers basically this mountain. It's like a honeycomb shaped thing. Yeah. But there's no walls or uh, there's no it's, it's like. This is not somewhere that people, ancient people live. They were yeah. doing something here that like we don't it, understand. It looks like. Like there's pillars as though there could be a wall, except there yeah. isn't. Right. That's right. Yeah. It's so strange. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've, I, I actually learned about this recently, too. And it's the weirdest looking thing because it's a structure it's that's both there and not. Yeah. It, and and archaeologists are like, this is just not this is not what we normally like. An archaeological dig is normally like we find homes and we we find the structure of a village and we find where their burial grounds are and then we can we can eventually determine where they where they worshiped or whatever what was sacred blah 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 this is like this, people didn't live here they built this thing for something we have no freaking clue yeah and it's massive and so it, it's it's just again evidence that maybe there was something mucking around in our history that we don't understand and to me i i I have come to the point in all of this where I think that when we talk about the government hiding stuff from us, I I think it's I think it's like the powers that be that we talk about the the billionaire class the 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 control groups that sort of subject us to the constant sort of daily barrage of misinformation, distraction, disinformation, the way it makes it so hard to know what's real or what's not real and all the, all the stuff we deal with. It's because there is a much greater truth that they've determined is insurmountable for the average person or at least would eviscerate their power structure. In other words, if a president came out and just said, look, we're not the dominant species on this planet. We never have been. We've known this for as long as we've been in contact since the 1940s. We've known that we are just mere ants in a biosphere. And there is a much, much more advanced life form on this planet and outside this planet. And they can annihilate us at any time. The ensuing chaos is just 
it's it's so threatening to the people in power that they're willing to do anything to forestall that inevitability. Yes. And not only that, but it's beneficial to us that they're doing that, if that's the case. Because we seem to still be Because we here. are in a matrix. Yeah. We, we seem to we're still like be here. Effectively. And it, yeah. it hasn't collapsed yet because whatever they're doing to stop us from destroying ourselves in the fear and the panic of finding out that we are the insignificant creature here, we do manage to continue moving forward, even if we're being watched, even if we're being controlled or manipulated. We're still here because we haven't exploded ourselves in a panic. Yeah, yeah I guess, you know, I go back to something I said earlier that I'm okay being insignificant at this point. I mean, like if we are, what could we even do about it, right? I mean, I, you know, I guess this goes all the way back to the beginning, which is the blue or red pill. If 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 the blue pill is some life built on a fantasy, a fake world where I'm in control and I have power and I'm important and the alternative is a world where it's the real world where things are hard and difficult but they're real and and life is fragile and fleeting i think i'd rather live in that world yeah because that's where from, meaning comes from yeah you know this is this is <laughs> this is a comic bombing i'd rather bomb and know that i was bombing and it was real and i i needed to work on this and get better than i would live in a world where people were, it was just fake laughter and I didn't know whether. Exactly. Yes. You see, that's that skater, that comic mentality yeah. in which. It's punk. Like, it's, it's a punk ethos that I think runs through skating and real good comedy. Yeah. Cause it's ultimately the like, I don't give a fuck what the end of the road looks like. Who cares? Yeah. I'm going to die and none of this yeah. is going to matter anyways. Yes. The, agree. The yeah. way there is what I'm enjoying, whether right. hard or easy or fun or tragic. Yeah. I yeah. I was there and I made the choices and they mattered because they gave me the results regardless of what the results were. Unlike taking the blue pill in which everything is suddenly done for me, then what am I right. here for? Right, right. What's the point then? Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, this is been a very sort of uh circular conversation in a beautiful way right yes yes we're actually yeah. definitely even over time now so yeah, before wow. we get out of here because this okay. went by so fast i uh i want to throw at you a theory i have okay yeah about um do you know you you know what the wow signal is the what the wow signal no, we got it in the in 1973 or something that we got like a, a signal. Oh, from oh space. yeah, 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 yes, yeah. I, oh, the guy wrote in his notes. Wow, yes, he got a, he got a yeah, he got a uh, we got a um a signal from outer space that was a pattern such that could not have been caused by random. And a guy wrote yes, in his yes, notes, yes. "Wow, yes, I know the wow signal." Yeah. Now I. I have a theory, not a conspiracy or any sort. Nobody's keeping this a secret. I just think nobody's yeah. come to the conclusion. I felt like, you know, this conversation went so many places that maybe you could entertain yeah. the idea that our consistent trying to reach out and message outward is in a perfect sphere that goes in every direction at all sure. times, right? Yep. So some of the messages we send are also designed to be bouncing off of our satellites out in every direction. And my idea here is that we have one of these messages 
floating out through space, eventually encountered some space anomaly that we are not familiar with because we don't know what the fuck is out there in space. Right. And we're receiving a message from the future in the past that is the pattern we got in the first place that made that guy go like, wow, this is yeah. interesting. Now it's scrambled because it traveled a lot. It got redshifted. Right. It went through an anomaly. Sure. And it, it's a, recognizably a pattern, although we can't decipher the pattern. And it just happens to be us trying to reach some alien life form and reaching ourselves because it got bounced yeah. back like an echo, but backward in time. I Yeah. I love it. I love it. I mean, um, are you familiar with FRBs, fast radio bursts? No. Okay, so uh, it, it, it fits right in with what you're saying, which is uh, people had experienced what are called uh, fast radio bursts, which are these bursts of radio energy that seem to pat, they seem to have a structure to them that does not occur naturally. So they were like, well, this is interesting. What are these? And so we built a fast radio burst antenna. That would specifically intended because people just encountered them at random enough to where it's a real phenomena. And then someone was like, we should really build something that can try to, you know, catch these on a more regular basis. So they built this thing and it's it's up in the, the North Pole area, the Arctic area, which is where all these things are because it's pointed, you know, out at space. And they're like, okay, we need to want to run some diagnostic. Let's turn it on. And they turn it on. They're like, holy shit, we're getting a ton of these FRBs. They're just constantly being sent at us. We're constantly getting signals from outer space that align exactly with what you're saying, which is like the wow might be something that we're getting all the time, every moment. And we're just now starting to realize that, oh, we, we, we have been sending something out that's now coming back to us. And maybe all this stuff, there's things in the past that have been affected by what we sent out in the future because of the way that space-time works, right? Yeah, because yeah. someone got a message and they're like, let's send it. But they, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're in outer space and you want to send us a message that you got and you send it and, you, you know, the message went out in 1995 and it comes back in 1975, for your purposes, you landed that message. Yes. To us, you're like, I have no fucking clue what this guy's talking about because it came 20 years earlier. We don't have that technology. But from outer space, I mean, it's like a dartboard. If you're trying to hit a dartboard from outer space and you just hit the board, you've nailed it. The bullseye is the, is the time and date the message was sent, right? And so what you're saying is so awesome that, like, we've gotten these messages throughout history. It's where enlightenment and sort of jumps in technology or all sorts of things could have happened is when we received stuff from outer space that was just a little off in its timing, a little before its time. I mean, how do you explain Da Vinci's uncanny ability to explain technology or Tesla, right? Yep. Who seemed yep. to have uh, knowledge and understanding way, way beyond his time. Like maybe all of that is just information trickling in from the future to the past and and yes actually i believe strongly this is how we ended up with hieroglyphs of planes imagine there's a plane yes. flying overhead and for yeah. a brief just a couple of seconds all it takes maybe a 10 second period where the plane goes inside of a time space anomaly without anybody yeah. on board knowing and then yeah. some civilization yeah. three thousand years ago sees a plane right. Right. overhead yeah. 
and then it's out of the anomaly and it lands where it's going to go. It fly, a, a thin place. It flies to a thin place. It doesn't even realize it. No one on the plane realizes nope. it. And then it comes out and it's right in the time it's supposed to be. Right. But then right. the people we, from 3,000 right. years ago see it and they're like, I saw the thing. Yeah, we think about the past as something that's gone. You know, William Faulkner said the past isn't haunted. It's not even past. Right? Like it's the past is existing right now alongside of us. We're just not in it. It's a different dimension, just yes. as the afterlife, the future, right? It's just this other dimension that we will we will inhabit, but not in the way that we think of it. Right? I don't know what it's like. Nobody does, but this is awesome stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, that's where my mind goes with all that kind of information. Trying yeah. to reason it, ground it to make it make yeah. the most sense. So look, man, yeah. it's awesome having you. You are a oh, man. This was great. This was great so much fun. deep thinker. Hell yeah, great deep thinker. I love. Uh, this is why I wanted to have you guys on the show, any of you, so that awesome. I can pick because I'm listening to your show and watching the depth that you guys go through, and then you really sit there and try to discuss it not just read out a wikipedia page and call it a day you guys right. sit there and think and i, I love that that is yeah. a rare commodity these days to have a person who's willing to think beyond the headline yeah well appreciate well we'd love to have you on the show sometime so we'll figure out a i mean hell, yeah have me whenever yeah. man um yeah. awesome. let everybody know what you have going on every location for your show any projects Absolutely. you got on the side whatever there is let the listeners yeah. know well, you can find us on all social media platforms at, at @conspiracybeerme. We have a website conspiracybeerme.com where you can buy merchandise, you can listen to our podcasts uh, everywhere that podcasts are available. And we also have a patron, so if you go to Patreon, you can uh, pay $5 extra and get an extra bonus episode each week. Uh and uh, uh I can be found at, at Justin Scranton on social media and I will post all my stand-up comedy. And Shane is, it's Shane Smith. That's my co-host. And uh, you can follow him on social media and uh, see where he's performing as well. So that's, uh, that's us. That's beautiful, man. Look, I am so glad you managed to come on here. I had no idea where this conversation was going to go. And I'm just amazed of all the places it did go. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. Yeah, it's just, it's hard to even like verbalize what happened it's like casual critical thinking yeah yeah that's that, which is the best which is awesome that's, yeah it's you you know fun. the 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 last people at a party that's what yeah, this was yeah, right that's right yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a really good way of putting it yeah yeah because awesome. those are the fun people right no yeah there's the people who yeah, go to yeah, get yeah, drunk yeah. and wasted yeah. and like black out but like if you stay at the party long enough to the when there's like five or six people sitting around yeah. with the last beer just having a conversation about but space man like that's who yeah. you want to talk to that's awesome yeah. that's what this was that's I, what this I was that's yeah. what this was i appreciate you being here a lot man it was yeah. a really fun awesome awesome conversation i i thought this was going to go so different with that we were going to dive so deep into these con but no you're so much more thought out than that it is amazing i love when it's unpredictable no that's great well i'm glad you enjoyed it. i i really enjoyed myself and i uh, hope the next part goes well and uh we'll be in touch we'll have you on the show be hell blessed. yeah for sure man anytime just let me know and i'm down and uh, yeah, I'll let you know when all this stuff is going to come out and everything so that awesome, you guys yeah. can share it or do whatever the hell yeah, you we'll want. Yeah, we'll share and promote it for sure. Yeah, I just it's, it's just really awesome to have had you here and I appreciate you a lot, man. It was really Thanks, fun. Thanks, man. Yeah, me I enjoyed it. Yeah, have enjoy your evening very much. Thank you very much. 
How awesome was that? That was amazing. It was the most amazing, wasn't it? I'm still shocked by the thin place. By the thin place. Why didn't we know about that? I don't... And we went down some rabbit holes, Brad. It's so crazy. The thin place. That's the fucking solution to what was happening at Clinton Road. Yes. We're calling it space... Space time bubbles. Yeah, space time bubbles, anomalies. It had a name. Yes. I can't wait. I have to go investigate these thin places. Yeah, that's crazy. I thought we were done with that topic, but this is the nope. the man man is Clinton Road my flash house. Your flash house? Yes, oh, it's Barry's yes. fucking home. Yeah, yeah. He makes the mistake of going through and then he's doomed to see that place forever. Yes. And it's like it doesn't matter because everything comes back to whatever weird shit happened that one time in Clinton Road. That's why we got to go back. But I feel like because of that, it'll never be weird. Because that was the the real moment. The first moment is the only moment that matters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. everything else is whatever. Because it does, it, it, that's the weird one. That's the one you have to remember. Unless I get there and there's a whole other assortment of weird shit that happens. Ooh, that would be awesome too. Yeah, yeah. Mm. See, I was completely detached and arguably still am in general. But... Like, would I fear what I see now? Why? Like, if we saw weird shit again, would it be like, shit, but I could... Because, you know, you're a teenager, you're like, nothing's going to harm me. Yeah. But now you're like, well, shit, maybe there's some shit here that's going to fuck me up. I don't know. If it's time, space-time travel related, I don't think anything could hurt you. That's not necessarily true. You think so? Yeah, it doesn't mean I can't interact. Like, let's say plane is going through the sky, mm-hmm. enters one of these weird riffs for 10 seconds. Yes. But there just so happened to be on the side that it moved into something there. Yes. Is it hitting that building or is it phasing through, you know? That's the problem. Like, we don't know what level of interactivity is yeah. possible here. Well, as far as we know, I don't know if that's something that's happened where a plane crashed something. Well, and I'm using wasn't... a huge example, but yeah. think of ghosts, right? So we've established that his conclusion about ghosts is right. We've talked about that before. They're mm-hmm. echo of some sort, whether from the past or the future, whatever the fuck. Yes. The plane scenario, that's a ghost. Mm-hmm. But sometimes a ghost hurts people. Is it intentional or is it just a space-time moment and the person did get in damage huh. inflicted or something through this space-time moment? There was interaction. Oh, I got hit by a car. Yeah, but there's no car out here. I got run off the road. Yeah, but... There's no car out here. I it pushed my car. It hit my car from behind. The truck kept hitting me, kept hitting me, and then I fell off the road. What do you mean there's no evidence of it? No, there's nothing here. There's just your car's tracks off of the road and then nothing. Is it possible that it's one of those things where you, because you believe that it's happening, you're actually doing the thing? Like, you're swerving off the road thinking it hit you, So you, but it didn't really hit you, you but you truly feel... Like it did, but it's it didn't really happen. But in your mind, it did. You're like, talking not... about quite the overpowered um, it's mind exercise to some degree. Like you're you're asking a lot here. This is a stretch. That's it's much. way more likely some shit crossed time than your mind convince you you made impact in a moment of survival. That's where you hit clarity. Now, hmm. you might not be 100% clear. You're yes. in panic, but yeah. your subconscious puts you in survival mode. So you're going to drive less erratic and more focused 
and you're not just going to make an accident and slip the car into the bank okay. or the ravine. Yeah. Because you're in survival mode. If yes. anything, you're flooring it and making sure you can dodge as much shit from in front of you. Mm. So it's way more likely that you were hit by something than okay. it is that your subconscious fucked up at that of all times. Yes, yes. Mm. Not saying it's impossible. It's just you're aiming at the possibly least likely scenario. Yeah. It's more likely there wasn't even a time anomaly and some random just came up and hit your car. Well, well, yes, that too, I guess. That's way more likely. That's way more likely, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, everything is more likely than your mind gave out in a fight or flight moment. Yes. That's kind of, that's pretty crazy, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a hard sell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting conversation, though. What do you think yes. of the suggestion for the wow signal? The wow signal. The wow. That's just it's just, us. it's just us, yeah. Yeah, we had this conversation yeah. on the show before. Yes, but I didn't know there was more. There's more, many more wows. Yeah, and it's actually a predicted that it's all us. But if it's all us, yeah, yeah, it's actually it's not. I, I didn't do something revolutionary. We don't attribute it to the first one, but we see a lot of echo. Yeah. So it's I didn't like, know that there was many more. I didn't know about these. Um, well, what are they called? They're not called wows, but yeah, they're completely they're just disregarded because of how relevant they really are. Because there's so many, we figured out this is. This is this bouncing off of shit. What if it is? Man, could we actually But it's like, not even us through it? time. It's it's like we know it's us. Like it's oh, some okay. shit that bounced back and we're like, oh yeah, that's fucking we sent it from over there. Oh right. Like it's not we're not confused about where it's coming from. We're yeah. not like, well the theory no, it's us. We know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that for that thing and for the wow too? No, not the wow. We have no idea what the fuck's going on with that. Oh, okay. That's okay. what's weird because it's like I mean, yeah, we didn't send anything beforehand to be like, well, yeah, it's fucking us. But space-time anomalies are real, and we have we send and receive from ourselves so much shit, it's not a stretch to say that some space-time anomaly is out there. One of these signals went in through there and just popped up back then. Anyways, if you guys want to hear more from Justin or his co-host Shane, on their Conspiracy Beer Me podcast, you could find them at pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. You know, Spotify, Apple, uh, I'm sure you Google Podcasts or wherever the hell any other podcast happens. And if they're not there, I'm sure they don't mind if you message them and let them know where they could be so that you can become a listener. Additionally, you could find them on their socials, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Just look up Conspiracy Beer Me, and you could find their individual socials at Justin Scranton and at Shane Smith. As for us, you could find us, as you know, on the lovely website, greatthoughts.info slash justconversation, or anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, the usual places. And you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Just Combo Pod. Yes, and remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show because that is very important and helps everybody, including you, feel better that you took part. And let someone who might like this show know about it. Yes, it's very important that you talk about the show to people because word of mouth is like the most important thing that has ever existed. And like if you totally just tell people about the show, they're going to want to listen to the show, especially if you tell them, hey, man, two dudes sat around and talked about like conspiracies and then made them make a lot of sense. And they brought their respective knowledges. And then it kind of like got real fleshed out and the conversation was real chill, man. And it's like, yeah, they're going to be like, well, dude, totally sounds rad. And you're going to be like, yeah, bro. And he's going to be like, yeah, bro. And he's going to be like, bro. And like, bro. And together you 
guys are just gonna be like, bro. For how long? For 56 hours straight until one of you blacks out from lack of sleep and a dry throat of saying bro for that long. That's crazy. Additionally, you can find me on the stereo app having conversations with a bunch of strangers and annoying people and having great debates. People freak the fuck out because they cannot handle somebody who's just a contrarian. This has been the Just Conversation Podcast. Take nothing personal and thanks for listening. Bye. Life cereal is an old school. Cereal. It's been around since I was a kid, and then at some point they came out with a cinnamon version that my kids like. And I don't usually eat cereal because it's a very you know like it's candy for childish thing. Yeah, yeah. But today I was just like, I mean, fuck it. Isn't that the point of being an adult though? You could it's like sort of, it's sort of to me eat candy sort for breakfast. Like, yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. So I had I had cereal, almond milk. Yes. Really, really good coffee. You I drink are really a good smart coffee. man with that almond milk. Dipping on that um, dairy, that's not good for you. Yeah, I'm I'm particularly lactose intolerant. Oh, um, it's not even like a choice. You'd probably be all up yeah. in the milk if you could. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever had a straight glass of milk. That sounds disgusting. A straight glass of milk? Yes, that sounds yeah, terrible. Pretty, yeah, yeah, if you... If you didn't know what milk was, and a cow was walking through the like a field, and someone was like, "Holy cow, these bags shoot shit out," you'd be like, "Let's drink it." Someone would be like, "Absolutely not." Yeah, that sounds crazy. It, it sounds crazy that you would drink the milk of another animal. Not only that, it's the fact that the cow has like their their breast area is this sort of non-furred sort of like almost pimple looking thing so when you're drinking it it's like it feels kind of yeah. like you're drinking pus it's real close to the ground too yeah yeah there's a lot the ground they shit on the ground they shit on yeah uh, yeah are you a star wars are you a star wars fan oh my god you're gonna hate me after the following sentence i hate star wars Okay, that's fine. It's fine. Uh, have you seen them, or have you just seen them and hate them, or have you just not seen them? I've seen, what is it, the first and second of the original trilogy, and then all three of the second trilogy, and I regret all of it. You re- Okay, okay. Um, well, I don't know. Wait, you've seen... Have you seen, like, where... Uh, what's his name? Luke Skywalker's, like, sucking on a teat of some, like, Space alien cow? Maybe I don't know. That's very specific. Yeah, he, he at one point like he's on this island and he like goes down to the coast and there's these like sea creatures. They look like a cross between a cow and a manatee, but they have huge just you know tits. And he just starts milking them and he's drinking straight from the tit. And it's just like it's everybody's like it's just like a shock scene. But everybody's like, oh, that's so gross. And I'm like, that's what cow's milk is. That's I mean, I yeah, guess, you, yeah, it's just, oh, man, it's, it's just I nasty. I don't know why people are grossed out when that's exactly. Um, I mean, we have an animal hierarchy, really, really. We're like, well, from this animal, it's fine. From that animal, no, it's nasty. But this is like, this is the same yeah. shit. Yeah, that's a good point, too. You're never going to, like, 
How do you like that? Uh, how do you like that coffee? They're like, good. I made it with dog's milk. You're not gonna. It's not gonna go well. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, what is the difference? There's no difference. Yeah, milk is milk. The Just Conversation podcast is hosted by Christina Colazzo and Jack Thomas, produced by Lynn Taylor and published by GreatThoughts.info, art by Zero Lupo, and logo by Seth McAllister, with social media managed by Amber Black.